we do. I'm going to make you a will for a hamburger like Eddie Murphy, okay? Like Eddie Murphy's mom. <laughs> that's, how, that's, how I put, I, that's how I equate the show most of the time. The, the will for a hamburger with the green pepper sticking out of it and the pink bread and, you know. <laughs> pink and dough bread. Yes. <laughs> God, that takes me back to my childhood. Oh, man. I, I, I just ate a couple of hot dogs on loaf bread, so hey. Well, to this day, I will not, and Brian will attest to this, I will not eat a hamburger or hot dog on loaf bread. I don't get that. He doesn't care. He'll do it because I was traumatized as a child. That's all I can. That's all I ever got. As long as I don't have to pick it up with my fingers, I'm good. (laughs) I will eat it with a knife and fork before I will put a hamburger on Uh, loaf bread. uh, I just, uh, because it gets all, like... Oh, like it gets all soggy and molds to the hamburger. So you've got like this middle portion that's a circle and then the rest of it is dry corners sticking out. You got to tear that part off, you know, like like the welfare hamburger, you know. Oh, no, this is this is all beef stuff right here. We need to be holding on to this. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally... Holidays from the Sin Beef Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Gary Hill. With you tonight is a... Oh, man. It's been a little bit since you've been on here. But Jamie's here. How you doing? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I love this lineup of people we have and the movies that we're going to be talking about. What a great way for me to come back. Cool. Uh, no Suzanne. She's drinking with friends because, you know, lush, lush, lush. I play. She does like to drink and have a good time, though, and... Be sociable. I'm not one of those people. She's not here. Iris is elbow deep in grandchildren, so she's not here. But uh, with us tonight is, uh, uh, I shouldn't say better half, you know. I, I guess, uh, what, it's, true. The, it's, it's true. It's <laughs> true. Brian is here. How you doing? It is the better half. And, uh, I'm doing okay. You're Thanks not for having me. to say that. I, I know. I'm that. just, you know, confirming a fact. Huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wait for this tip to get over with, you know. It's, it's uh,. <laughs> Hug it out, guys. Hug it out. It's good to go, you know. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. These are two of my favorite 80s flicks, so uh, yeah, let's get into it. Cool. Uh, Brian, of course, is on the ABCs of Hidden Horror and whatever else Jamie drags him on, which is fine. The, the Like in a podcast, too. How can I forget to mention the Like in it? It's back. It's back, y'all. Consistently. Kind of. We are now two months behind. Shut up. No one noticed. <laughs> Shut up. No one noticed. <laughs> Oh, and also... God, I can't take him anywhere. <laughs> I know. From the House of Wax podcast, and the Hail Mean Power Hour, and the Short Bus Cinema, Mr. Ricky Morgan's here. How you doing, sir? What's up, mother truckers? Man, <laughs> it's good to have you back, man. 
Oh man, yeah, it's it's uh you know it it's it's a weird thing. I'm like that weird uncle that you only see every once in a while. Clark, can you go get my stogies? I'm kind of like that guy. <laughs> I'm gone for a while, and then I come back, and then I do a bunch of shows, and I burn out, and I leave again. You know, you know how it is. Now, uh, yeah, man, this is great. Uh, I was glad when you know you kind of brought up this idea of these shows or this this episode for these movies, and I was like, hmm, like you said, I almost was rubbing my chin like. Yeah, if I could be on a show, I'd be on one just like that. And uh, you were gracious enough to say, come on! So here I am. And like like everybody else has been saying, what a lineup here, man. I mean, myself excluded, this is this is stellar. Stellar! Ricky's so excited, I can't take it, man. <laughs> I love his level of excitement. This, <laughs> that just makes me that much more and more and more and more and Birdie, birdie. That just makes well, me that much more excited. She turns into the Swedish chef. Work, work, work. Yes, well, indeed. Let me let me create the setting for you. This may be this may show you my excitement. Why I'm talking the way I am. I am in an upstairs closet, which is not very big at all, and I'm sitting in a in a desk that you had in like third grade. So <laughs> the, the the desktop is right above my knees. And my phone is sitting right. I mean, I'm in this little bitty desk because this is all we have room for. So this is where I'm recording at. <laughs> do you have one of those little pencil uh, holders yeah. at the top of it? Yeah, awesome. Sure do. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sure do. I, I, we've got two desks in here, and, and I'm sitting in one of them. Well, the acoustics <laughs> sound great. I should get me one of those little upstairs closets. First, I have well, to you know, upstairs. We've got clothes hanging in here, so I mean, it's pretty pretty dead, you know. Nice. You are kind of a sinner. You should go to your closet and pray anywhere there, over there, Jamie, okay? <laughs> I couldn't get into any of the closets around here. Oh, man. <laughs> like, the other day, I closed one of the closets, and I told Brian, I'm like, do not open that closet. <laughs> the vacuum cleaner will fall on you. <laughs> At least you warned them, you know. It's very, these are this is important information, you know. It's, the, it's our coat closet, which means it has all of our winter coats in it, and in Michigan... That include and you know about this from oh, Illinois. That well, includes a lot of down and mm-hmm. a lot of fluff, well, <laughs> and then you have to squish them in the closet. It's currently going to be 50, <laughs> 52 degrees to high on Christmas Day, so I got no complaints at all. I, no, know, I'm loving it's it. It's fifty five here today, and yep. I'm like, it's I'm wearing crazy. A, I'm wearing a light sweater as we speak, so a, I haven't worn a jacket all week, and I was driving home from work today with the windows down, so. Yeah. You know, I did the I did the same thing. I had my windows down at lunch. Yeah, incredible. But I'll uh, I'll ask the same question I always ask our guests. Uh, start with Ricky. What you been watching, Ricky? Anything good? Uh, you know, kind of the typical things. Uh, I've been, of course, I'm just gushing over the Mandalorian. Uh, I'm just I love it. I mean, that's that's the Star Wars I've been waiting for. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. I've been I've been watching a bit of horror for for House of Wax. You know, kind of coming back, which. That whole show, I kind of told you about it before, Gary. It just kind of happened by accident. I met a guy at work, and he was interested in getting a show going. I said, well, I just happen to have this show laying here not doing anything. And uh, so we did a test for that, and we really had a good time. So next thing you know, I'm watching a bunch of movies again. I'm like, wow, I got to watch Sleepaway Camp again? (laughs) Then halfway through, and you're like, oh, yeah, I love watching Sleepaway Camp again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to do it for Felissa Rose, man. That's a that's a long oh, man. one there. So you know we're we're watching a lot of stuff for that. Uh, of course, we're short bus. God, we just did Dragon Fury, and that one, whew, that was a that was a rough. 
I have a pick for short <laughs> bus, but I'm still thinking about the House of Wax one, so I'm still uh, pondering. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Of course, you're all invited to come be on House of Wax or short bus. Your pick. But uh, that's kind of it. I did do something cool last night, and I don't know when you're actually going to release this, but I'm hoping last tomorrow, night, brother. Okay, cool. Because yeah. uh, we went last night to see Christmas Vacation on the big screen in the, in the theater, and uh, with with my father and and my my stepmother and my my wife and my stuff went, and we had an absolute blast. Is uh, that that uh, throwback cinema? Well, it's no, it's just a regular th- cinema that's here, you know, in in Martin, Tennessee, and they just happen to be showing it. And uh, place was packed, and they've been doing it for like four or five days, and uh, it, it's it's a really neat experience because everybody there is a diehard fan, so they're laughing at the parts before they even happen, yeah. you know. And uh, it was just it was great. We had a great time last night. Oh, by us, we have a a chain that does a throwback cinema, like oh, every man. Tuesday, Sunday and, Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday and Wednesday, they throw a an older movie. I, it doesn't have to be old, old, because I think they did like right. Harry Potter movies, and those aren't that old. But they put them back on the big screen. We saw The I Shining think, last yeah. year. For We've Halloween seen The Shining. We've year. seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. So, and, but they do it all year long. Yeah. So I think Christmas Vacation. Yeah, was that was one, that one of them. Showing, and I said and I wanted to go. I see know. It. I forgot all about it until now. <laughs> Now, see, now, last year we got the chance to go see Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas on the big screen, which is nice. kind of rare because it wasn't made for that. But, uh, yeah, I consider that an accomplishment. That's my favorite Christmas movie, story, whatever you want to call it. I, I can watch that one nonstop. Anyways, I'll shut up, and you can ask somebody else what they watched. <laughs> this is going to be a package deal, so I'll ask Jamie and or Brian what they've been watching lately. Okay, well, we watched a bunch of X movies, not X-rated, just beginning oh. with the letter X. Santa uh, Claus is coming and not necessarily the town. <laughs> <laughs> we did the X episode of the ABCs of Hidden Horror. So we watched X-Ray. X the Unknown. And uh, X, the man with the X-ray uh, eyes. I was hoping you'd say that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get that out soon. Um, we watched Jack Frost when it was on Joe Bob, or I should say Shudder, that was hosted by Joe Bob. That was a lot of fun. We watched Holiday Hell. That's not a lot of fun. No, it's an anthology <laughs> that we found on Amazon? Yeah, I've, I've said this before to Jamie, and now I really, really mean it. I am done with the blind watches on Prime. <laughs> I have never found anything good. Never. I've never just said, hey, never heard of this. Let's just give it a shot. It always turns to shit. So uh, <laughs> I'm done with the blind watches on Prime. Because this, this was... This is what Letterbox is for, man. Come on now. Well, this was just horrible. It was a holiday-themed horror anthology. It looked like it was made in somebody's basement um, with an iPhone. It cost a buck oh five. And uh, it's just, it's bad. Bad, painfully bad. So I do not recommend that. And really, the it, it didn't seem to have anything to do with Christmas. No. Once you got into the stories themselves, like the wraparound was about Christmas, and it had poor Jeffrey Combs because he'll do anything. Yes, that broke my heart. <laughs> and uh, it just that hurts my feelings. Now he was the best thing in the movie. He was, yeah, but because he he's just always awesome. You didn't yeah. see him very much. And then once you get into the actual stories, it didn't really, they kind of 
didn't really have to be around Chris. But like, I, it didn't really matter. I can only assume this was made by one of Jeffrey Combs' nieces or nephews or something. Because <laughs> I don't know how the hell they got him into this movie. Because he'll do anything. Look, Jamie, of course you didn't see him. He's like four foot seven, literally. Uh, yeah. like Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Little. We also uh, we watched The Irishman. Yes, that was good. I mean, long. It's three hours, but it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I actually learned some things. Uh, things that, if I'd heard them when I was when I was back in Georgia, it wouldn't have made any difference to me. But having relocated to Michigan, when specifically Oakland County, specific, Michigan, right? Uh, when they're calling out locations and stuff, like uh, that, Jimmy Hoffa had a house on Lake Orion. Well, that's right down here from us. That oh, they mentioned Bloomfield. We live in Bloomfield, <laughs> uh, and I was like, uh, I didn't know all of this. And Brian's like, Oh yeah, there's been an urban legend that he's buried out here somewhere in Oakland County. Yeah, you know, and nobody knows where. But I, that was just kind of weird and kind of brought it all home for me. You know, it was interesting. But uh, oh, we went back through Firefly. Oh yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. That was a good – I mean, I hadn't seen that in years, and it was good to go back. It still holds up. It still makes me yeah. sad and mad that it got yeah. canceled. Yeah. Me too. That's a, that's a show where show. I, li- I like the characters, but I don't like the show very much. I'm one of those people, I guess. Oh. And I just I, – I forget how much I love it until I start watching it yeah. again. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I do love this show so yeah. much. Like, I always thought, yeah, that's a good show. But then when I'm actually watching it, I'm like, I love this show. And and I do. And, it, and it's been several years since I went through it. But I I get so excited. I'm like, oh, this is the one about the blah. You know, and, and I'm all in. So it's sad yeah. that we didn't get more than we did. But on the upside, it doesn't take long to watch it all. So that No, is, I think it's something. like 12 episodes they yeah. did or something. So, but, uh, uh and then I guess last but not least, we started the Witcher show that's on Netflix. Nice. Um, it's got Henry Cavill, you know, Superman as the Witcher. Looks good. I am, I am a huge Witcher fan. I love the video games. I, I've only read a handful of the stories, but I've always liked the ones I read. Um, and so far, this series is doing well. There's a few things that seem a little bit off, but. By and large, I've been enjoying it. I've been uh, liking it, and I I really like Henry Cavell's take on The Witcher. I think he's doing a really good job. Yeah, he. Um, it was one point we were watching it, and I'm like, I swear to God, they pulled that dialogue directly from the video game because <laughs> it just, you know how like you'll have um, if you have two people just walking while you're like while you're playing, your characters walking, and then whomever's following, and they'll just have random conversations mm-hmm. about some. Just inane bullshit, you know. You've got you just got finished fighting some kind of giant creature, but now let's talk about something totally unrelated about like you know the last time I went grocery shopping or whatever. And they would do that, and like it's so it gave it a real authentic feel as mm-hmm. far as like the video game, which was interesting. But I like it. Cool. I guess that's about it. Yeah, yeah about so. I am um, behind in the Mandalorian myself. I need to catch up with that, but um, I've been watching some some typical holiday fare. You know, the essentials are like Solo and stuff like that. No, I don't watch Solo. I never <laughs> seen that film before in my life. But uh, <laughs> it's so boring. Yeah, honestly, it is. It's, it's over long. It's really boring. I've I've actually watched it twice, and 
I don't know why. <laughs> now watch Rocky Four because that's a Christmas movie. And always, oh yeah, yeah, that's always a good time, you know. And you forget how good that synth so, that synth score is by Vince DiCola, who gave us lots of good stuff like the Transformers soundtrack. And um, it's there's so no easy way out. Yeah, so there's I, no shortcut <laughs> home. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's not Survivor. That's somebody else. Survivor does the, the I, Bernie Hart what song. What is that? Bernie Hart. Yeah. What does that movie have? Like five montages. And I'm fine with that, Brian. <laughs> that's got a. Oh, so am I. It's my favorite <laughs> of the series. I love that movie. But I mean, it's got a set of records somewhere. He gets it's a, a be- he, montage. The movie. Yeah. He, he gets a beer. He lifts a cart. Come on, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> See that that beer looked more realistic than the one in the fucking Nighthawks, man. But I do like Nighthawks. Oh my god, Nighthawks! But that that beer was that beer was gruff. It looked real in the Rocky Four. Oh, don't get Jamie started on Nighthawks. (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) I was actually going to bring it up anyway. We're talking about. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> but Ricky's over there singing Brian's playlist. <laughs> uh, I watched Scrooge because that's the thing. I love Scrooge. And, uh, oh, yeah. what else? Um, the films for the show, obviously those are, those are Christmas movies too, y'all. If, um, I, I've been trying to stay away from, I, I guess, conventional Christmas films. Like I, I, I'm not breaking my streak and not watching Elf again this year because I like to imagine Elf and the Godfather universe. But the film ends about halfway through because Sonny Corleone shot him in the face. You know, <laughs> like yeah, no more movie. Okay, I'm fine with that. And um, but no, um, yeah, nothing really to report all the way as far as new stuff goes. Oh, I forgot. I watched Never Surrender, which is a Galaxy Quest documentary that they oh, made. That? It's awesome because they got everybody to be in it except for Rickman, awesome. of course. And yeah. Every, it's a very fun experience for everybody, and I, I I recommend seeking it out. It's on VOD right now, and it was a fathom event that I missed. And um, it's it's just Sam Rockwell talking about Alan Rickman and you know, all kinds of good stuff on there. So I, I'd recommend checking it out if you're a big a fan as I, I am, and probably most of the people on this show, if not all of us, uh, like Galaxy yeah. Quest. Oh, oh yeah, I love it. <clears throat> so that's a thing, a thing that I watched, and um. Yeah, that's about Mandalorian. Right. Mandalorian. You mean yeah. is that? Are you referring to the Baby Yoda show? <laughs> the, the Baby Yoda show, yes. <laughs> it's kind of like I don't full, know this Mandalorian of which you speak. I only know the Baby Yoda show. It's it's kind of <laughs> like full. It's kind of like Full House, except for with rocket packs and guns and stuff. You know. <laughs> and apparently, you it, will. It, apparently Clancy Brown. I haven't watched the episode yet, but he's apparently he shows up. So. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I'll skip the beef segment this week. I, I got a lot to be thankful for. We're we're we're, we're making it financially, and I, you know, small wins. Uh, Dollar Tree had the Snyder's pretzels back in stock again, and I found a second copy for my Secret Santa of Not Quite Hollywood for a dollar. So what? What? It's been a good day, you know. Oh, win win. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave that segment alone because unless, unless somebody has something really pressing that they're angry about, I'm gonna leave the beef segment alone. I'm actually not. I'm in a good. I'm in a good space these days. Yeah, I'm doing okay. How's that new fridge there, Jamie? You know, you're real excited about the fridge. I know. <laughs> I was. It's great. I'm looking at her right now. I am greatly surprised we got it into the house. Yeah, she's huge. Did, um, it, almost, did it almost kill a man? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I was. I had to go hide. I had to go. She did. I went to the back of the house and covered my ears and closed my eyes, and I was like la 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 la, because I was terrified they were gonna scratch it. And I'm like, I can't watch. I can't watch. And Brian comes around. He's like, baby, get out here. (laughs) I can't watch it. I can't. But they didn't. And then y'all measured the space wrong. It was too big to fit in in the space you guys wanted it. You know, it's a. No, I mean we measured. that that's funny that you should say that yes. um, <laughs> because the place where our other refrigerator is, this one won't fit. This one won't fit no matter what. And we didn't do that by accident. We did it on purpose because we really wanted this refrigerator. And so we were like, well, we'll just tear the cabinets down because we don't use them anyway. And then, cause there are those really, those cabinets that go over the refrigerator that who puts anything in those? I can't ever reach that. So yeah. I was like, let's just take those down. It's not my fault you're short people. I can reach up there. Come on now. It's, it's a... Yeah, but they're just dumb cabinets. It's like, what are you going to put there? It's only what dumb because you, you can't there? reach them. That's all it no, is. No, yeah. there, there is nothing that goes in those cabinets except things that you well, don't use ever. See, and then what's a tall, the point a tall, a tall person would keep his most beloved items up there. Like, you know, I don't want you touching my, my schnuck, schmuckers uh, strawberry jam, so I'll leave that up there. And uh, well, All right. Well, we don't have any of those tall people in this house so that nothing's sounded, up there. that sounded kind of racist just now i'm, I'm, I'm gonna hold that <laughs> against you okay you know <laughs> so anyway those, we had those. to uh until we decide what we're going to do because now we've kind of decided well maybe we'll just leave it where can we put it in a different part of the kitchen so that's kind of interesting getting used to having a refrigerator in a totally different part of the i kitchen. keep walking towards the old one i do too and I, I'll, I'll get like halfway i mean through the i'll kitchen walk and right like, oh, by the there. new one Heading towards the old one, and I'll be son of a bitch. <laughs> I do the same thing. So it's taken some getting used to, but for, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh-huh. She's I'm a big so, bitch. I'm, I'm so glad I ain't got white folks problems like that, man. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm so glad. But, um, and the, the cat is a, well, she's okay now, but yeah. she was terrified of it. <laughs> the first did night, it, she wouldn't go anywhere near it. Did it make an ominous noise or something? No, that's the thing is it wasn't making any – I guess she could hear. Um, it's just some, something different taking up the space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. She doesn't like change, but she kept hiding in the laundry room, and she'd go running. If she had to go past it, she would run. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, oh, no. She seems to be fine with it now. So it just took some getting used to. Cool. But anyway. So, yeah. White yeah. people, white, white folks, props. <laughs> We're here tonight, all of us, to to celebrate the holidays with you with the Canon Christmas. We're going to do Cobra and Invasion USA, two films that take place around the lovely holiday season that I dislike so much, but people do enjoy. But uh, let's talk about shooting folks and swinging hammers and rocket launchers and such. Yeah, let's do that. But uh. <laughs> Invasion USA and Cobra is the lineup, folks, and uh, we're all very excited to do that. And we'll start this in order of release with Invasion USA first, right after this. Bells ring. So the heck with all 
the heck with old Santa Claus. America has not been invaded by a foreign enemy in nearly 200 years. Their target, America. Their objective, control. 18 hours from now, America will be a different place. Now, only one thing stands in their way. It's time to die. Invasion USA. Invasion USA from 1985 stars, of course, the the great and awesome Chuck Norris and the equally awesome most of the time Richard Lynch. Um, yeah, your plot synopsis is this: a one-man army comes to rescue comes to the rescue of the United States when a spy attempts an invasion. Attempts? He he fucks up some shit, man. But uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> this also um has some some notable names that that I that I recognize in it. Um, Billy Drago gets his dick shot off in this movie. Amazing, you know. <laughs> you spend enough time with Billy Drago in this film. <laughs> um, James Pax, who you may know from from um Never Too Young to Die, and of course he plays Lightning in Big Trouble in Little China. There's a, a couple other faces that I recognize more in Cobra, but um I'm I'm gonna kick it to who would I kick it to first. Ricky, Invasion ah. USA, man. What do you think, man? This, this movie is fantastic, man. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time kind of cracking on canon, but it's out of love. But this is a great example of what they can do. Uh, I don't know, man. This is uh, I haven't seen this probably since it came out. Uh, I can say that for both of these, really. And I'm honestly surprised that 
still how entertaining these movies are. This one in particular, I mean, poor poor Chuck Norris. You get the story, he's out there just kind of minding his own business, wrestling some alligators, enjoying life. And you get that typical thing, which kind of happens in both movies here where the cops have to call him in. Hey, we got a job for you. And uh, come on, man. You know, he, he doesn't want to do it. I love the fact that the, the whole reasoning behind, even though you don't really get why all this is happening, but I love the fact of the, the whole thing of why there's this problem between the two of them. You don't get the explanation of the backstory, but the fact that the nightmare is Chuck Norris kicking Richard Lynch in the face. And that's what this is built around is awesome. <laughs> I should have killed him the first time. He, he kicks him in the face and that's the recurring nightmare when he kicks him in the face. I'm like, really? <laughs> he, he ruined my good rocket launching day. I was going to go murder a diplomat or something. And <laughs> he kicked me in the face, you know? Oh man. And probably besides, um, besides Rocky three, you probably have the greatest TV interview when they captured the hunter and they say, you got anything you want to say to the public? And he makes the message straight towards Richard Lynch. Time to die. <laughs> <laughs> when you wake up, you open your eyes. I'm going to be there and you're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm going to be there. Kick you in the face. <laughs> Oh, I just love that that whole dream sequence thing, though, was him just kicking him in the face, and that's what he's so tore up. Nobody kicks me in the face! (laughs) That's that's how he got that mark on his face. Explains everything. Name another movie where the antagonist, the big bad guy, the the villain who's doing all this horrible, you know, murderous stuff, is terrified of the protagonist. Yeah, absolutely terrified of him. I mean, he has (laughs) nightmares. I mean, legit wake-up screaming nightmares about Chuck Norris. And you know he has them a lot because his guy was... Yeah, another nightmare. nightmare The nightmare again, yeah. That is just great. Oh, man. And again, that's what I love about it because the nightmare is just one kick to the face. It's not like he hung him up and tortured him or anything like that. It's just, bam, I kicked you in the face. He didn't. He didn't, didn't even capture him at all. He's like, yeah, I kind of, kind of like, kind of like chart for here. I, I, I let him go. I mean, you know, catch I, and release. I wonder, I wonder about the guy at the bar that he crushes the beer bottle in his hand. Now that probably you'd have nightmares about. But you know, I don't know. It's Chuck Norris. You got kicked in the face by Chuck Norris. Okay, maybe that's that's nightmare material. <laughs> I probably have a nightmare if Chuck Norris kicked me in the face. Man. And I really think this all comes down to hair products. I think the reason that Chuck Norris is so mad because they blow up his house and he can't fix his hair right. He got his hair wet and nobody gets Chuck's hair wet, man. So he had to go after him and and do the deal. We almost killed his little armadillo. That little thing thing was so cute when it came stumbling down the stairs because I was like, (laughs) no. And Brian's like, it's okay, baby. It survived. (laughs) So, and I do have a question. So how do they know where Chuck Norris is? Because they just show up in all these swamp boats they with bazookas. <laughs> they just know, man. Just like everyone in this movie just seems to be everywhere they need to be well, hell, at you any got the, time. You got the reporter lady who just shows up randomly like five or six times. She just <laughs> happens to be right in the area when some shit's going down. And it's like, oh, no. You know, ten, ten minutes, minutes later. Boy. Yeah, I mean. 
she's at a fiesta in you know Miami. Sure. Yeah, why not? She's shopping at the mall. Yeah, just she's wherever she goes, death follows her. Well, and the guy even makes a comment about that. He's like, "Your trouble just seems to follow you wherever you go." Like, well, you need to stop going places, lady. <laughs> it's also strange that in any other movie, she would be like, her and Chuck yep. Norris would be hooking up. She exactly. would be the love interest, and they would make eyes, and, you know, eventually the slow sax would kick in, and, you know, they'd have a, you know, a hot sex scene. Not here. No, yep. she just disappears. No, yeah, and... It's like Chuck ain't interested at all. She's not no. interested. It's just, it's, then why is she here? Yeah, because like she just, at the end of the movie, she just goes away. And it doesn't, nothing happens with her character. It doesn't mean anything. She doesn't accomplish anything. Well, none of it really oh. means, none of it means anything. Because again, That's true. <laughs> we don't That's have true. an understanding. We don't have an understanding of why Chuck Norris hates him so bad or why he's so scared of Chuck Norris. It just, it just is. You know, or and even what the goal is. Like, what the hell right. is the goal? Because at the end of the movie, I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I watched this movie. That was a lot of fun. Except, what? <laughs> hey, that's that canon magic. <laughs> I mean, what is your end well, game here? You what get a thing where, do? you know, uh, Rostov, his first name's Mikhail. So, you, and he has that great Russian accent. Um <laughs> So you assume, okay, he's Russian, and he has his one Russian buddy. So is this a Russian plot to, you know, flood America with an international coalition of terrorists? Because, I mean, you have Russians, you have South Americans, you have Asians, you have people from the Middle East, and then you have, like, Black Panthers and bikers. Which is, like, a random collage of people who all just want to blow up shit, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the Russian part makes sense. It's 1985. Um, right. This is what I say. Yeah. A year it's, after like, Red Dawn. it's like yeah. the Red Dawn kind of thing, yeah. But here they were like, well, what do we have in wardrobe? Okay, we got 15 army suits, uh, some bikers, <laughs> uh, some John Don Johnson looking outfits. Hey, let's just make them all bad guys. <laughs> well, what's funny is this is actually a remake. Not many people know that. Yeah. It's a. Uh, remake of a 1952 movie called Invasion USA. And that one's about a bunch of people, you know, at a bar who just so happen to witness Russians invading. So that one is very much about the Russian threat, the Red Menace. So I don't know if that was supposed to be carried over to this, and then they just decided to make it terrorists, because that was a hot thing in the 80s. Sure. I don't know. It just it always uh, strikes me as odd. It doesn't make any sense, but it's a, it's just an excuse to blow shit up and yeah. shoot a lot. Absolutely. And, Man, dear God, on, they you... have a they had a budget for explosions. There are a lot of explosions in this movie. And not oh, like man. not like models either. These are like look like real no. houses they blew up. Oh, but they are blowing oh, up real houses just bam. Yeah. When they go in that subdivision and I they love put that those scene. they put those goggles on. <laughs> it's incredible. That's one thing I learned. If you're going to blow up a bunch of houses, apparently you have to put goggles on because you don't want <laughs> them any other time. Safety first. <laughs> oh, I learned one thing. You could, you could, you could outrun and make a timer slow down if you're Chuck Norris on, on a C4 bomb on a school bus because that that <laughs> clock was going really fast. And there's a scene in this movie where, where they decide, hey, let's create more anarchy by attaching this C4 bomb to a school bus. 
and then Chuck catches it just in time, just to throw it in, just in time to throw it in their car, and yeah, because Chuck Norris and magical, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was watching that magical movie timer, <laughs> and I was like, I I swear that said sixteen seconds before he got to it, and then when he got to it, it was like twenty nine. And then it counted down to 25, and then he drives for it. I mean, it, it, it never, it wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it. You gotta it's love, just, oh, you gotta love the whole Chuck Norris Home Alone thing, though, man. For him to every time take the bomb and go, oh, hey, did you lose this? And then, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the thing I love about this movie, though, is uh, it gives Chuck some of the best one liners. He was never a one liner kind of guy, not like Schwarzenegger or anything, but in here, you know. He has this great line where he's torturing a guy upstairs in a brothel and some henchman yeah. comes in and he goes, if you come back in here, I'm going to hit you <laughs> with so many rights. You're going to beg for a lift. For a lift. <laughs> you're really starting to annoy me. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's great too. Bomb. yeah, he'll get the bad guy's bomb and he'll go, did you miss? Did you drop this? Or, you know, <laughs> didn't work, did it? No, it worked, will. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, cue the overture. They're trying to blow up a church. Here comes Chuck on the roof holding their suitcase bomb. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And and you can tell that's all the Golden Gullivus stuff, too. Hey, let's, what can we do? What makes them show that they're really evil? Instead of them, like, trying to throw over the government or anything, let's have them blow up a church. Let's have yeah. them blow up some kids on a school bus. You know, it's just like, uh, I guess you do that to make it more, you know, relatable for Joe Schmo, but... You know, you can't really call that Invasion USA. That's that's Invasion Kentucky, you know? <laughs> oh, in, invasion Georgia and Florida Everglades, apparently, because... Um... Right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I, I love the scene at the beach where they're, like, reenacting D-Day. Yes. Like, there's no other way to get these terrorists into the country other than have World War II landing craft come pulling up and... Dropping them off on a beach. I, I will say that they, they, when they, they, they did mention, you know, that somebody took these boats out, but the, the, the reason why they couldn't figure out who it was because the boats were so old. So I guess that attention to detail was in the script, I guess. These Normandy-sized yeah. style boats. I, I don't know. And they have a scene just, where there's all, all these trucks lined up and the bad guys are running into them. And you hear people in various foreign dialects, you know, this one's going to Chicago, this one's going to Detroit. So the ideas are spreading out across the country. You never yeah. see any of that. It's always Georgia or Florida, but, you know, whatever. Budget, baby. Yeah. That's, that's the whole Night of the Living Dead approach. You know, you see it on the news. Oh, they're attacking in so-and-so. And it's a, these acts of, you know, terrorists are happening throughout the United States, but you never see it, you know. So that's that. That you know, you don't have the budget for that. Where, where's where's the cutscene where the Afghan terrorist is pissing in the radiator because uh, it starts to run too <laughs> hot? You know. <laughs> I, I always admired that. Uh, was it C. Thomas Howell pissing in the radiator and very right done? I always yeah, admired yeah. his aim, his his cock control to piss in the radiator with great precision. You know. <laughs> I used to have to do that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you picture that on the side of the road. <laughs> It's like, honey, I got a jug right well, here. Who needs a, who needs a see jug? See if I needed help. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, gosh. I want to wait till the motor's cool a little bit. <laughs> I kind of uh, like the steam. Well, if they, if, they, if, they, if they startle you, you'd fall down, well, Jamie. So. Approved. <laughs> if, if, they startle, if they startle you, you'd fall down. So they're being gentlemen about it. Just, just watch you do your thing, you know? Uh, 
Well, I spotted some Jamie that's just going to kick out of this. Uh, Chuck's friend in this movie, his his American Indian friend, was the same guy in which Zach Norris found on Saved by the Bell when he found he was partial Native American. Oh, wow. I, I've seen <laughs> these... I've seen these too many times, but Running Zack was a very racist episode, and I, I, I have to admire that he's in this movie. <laughs> the guy, the American Indian guy, who told Zack Morris that he was Native American, and then he hilariously racially dressed up as a Native American for class for the presentation, and yeah. <laughs> well, then let me uh, point this out. This was directed by Joseph Zito. Yes. Who made my favorite Chuck Norris movie, this one. He also made my favorite Friday the 13th movie, The mm. Final Chapter. So yep. he has a pretty good batting average, at least when it comes to me. Yeah. Yep. How do you feel about Missing in Action? He made that, too. I like that, too. So, I mean. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. The guy could deliver the goods. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm down with some Zito. D- definitely in the 80s. I'm not what sure was about his, it. I'm What sorry. was his uh, pen name? Joey Big Dick or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. Big Stick? What was his name? Big Stick. The first movie he directed, he went under the name Joey, or Joseph, Joseph Big Stick. And I'm like, come on, that's the best you could do. (laughs) Joey Radiator Hose. (laughs) Baby Arm. (laughs) I'm Joey Baby Arm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But no, this, this film is filled with just like you don't care about plot at this point because it's just filled with all yeah. kinds of great action sequences like one after another just unlimited rocket launcher ammunition including the shell that kills Richard Lynch at the end of this movie you know oh man <laughs> unreal <laughs> I love the fact time. that both these guys thought it was a good idea to have a rocket launcher duel inside a building five feet apart well, it goes back to when we were kids, you know, when bottle rocket fights were a good idea and Roman candle fights were a good idea, you know, but, um, they still kind of are if you're good at it, but it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things that yeah. were, I'm sorry. No, I so said that, 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 that final scene is just, and I love the fact of it. It's almost like, it's almost like the Italian films that we love because the shot, the explosion, the new credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Brian, that was when Brian goes, and what more is there to say? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, maybe why? <laughs> I mean, that's a like stand up in the theater and start clapping moment. It's just like, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> I mentioned Billy Drago getting shot in the dick in this movie, and you should because you wish you had more of him. But what happens to Billy Drago is that he's going to go sell him this blow they found on this boat of immigrants. And he gives his lady friend, I guess, or his main hoe or something, or bottom bitch, whatever you want to call her, the blow. And, of course, it's it's fucked up. She's just bleeding from the nose like crazy. So this gives him an opportunity to shoot Billy Drago in the dick a few times and then fluidly throw this woman out the window. And I still can't stop laughing, okay? It's just, uh, he slams her head down on He the- slams her head. She's got, yeah, she's putting the straw up her nose, and he slams her head down. The straw goes up. So it's like a it's like a gold tube, you know, that she's using. Yeah. So that's that's why she's screaming. Oh. It's still funny though, man. I can't stop laughing. Oh yeah. Well, it is. And yeah. then he tosses her ass out the window, which is <laughs> yeah, that's just great. That whole scene is hilarious. She did something to really anger him. I don't know what it is, but yeah, Brian's like, damn, she pissed him off bad. <laughs> well, he watched her over that butterfly knife, and he was like, yeah, she might be a little competition, so I'm gonna try to take her out as quickly as possible. 
Beat There's that, that when we first enter the house, the little whorehouse there, when he's coming up the stairs, you get a shot of a woman's legs. Um, she's like sitting on the banister and her legs are stretched out. You only see just from the thigh down at first. So he's walking up the stairs and you get this shot of the legs on the side. And I was like, wow, those are nice legs. And then as he comes up the stairs, you get more of her. And she's like this hatchet face. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> Like, we were doing great there for about a minute. <laughs> you must be she had that Odorama card from the from the, um, from the the John Waters movie, right? Yeah. I was like, whoa, nice scratch, legs. Scratch number two. Oh, yeah. my God. Butterface. Smells mm-hmm. like fish <laughs> So the kid, um, I went to high school with Mall Brat. Um, that's the kid with the gum. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. And he throws the gum on the windshield. That is, um, that's Jason Ehrlich. I went to high school with him. He is now a TV producer. And um, he was also in Sleepaway Camp, too. Hmm. He played one of the the Tip Patrol kids. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Love the Tip Patrol, for sure, you know. And uh, the news lady was Monica Kaufman. She lived... Um, who was an actual news person in Atlanta. And she lived um, in the same neighborhood as a friend of mine when I was growing up. So she used to come and do, she used to speak at our school all the time because they knew her. So when every, every time we needed a, a guest speaker, she was like, I can get Monica Kaufman. And then we're like, mm-hmm. all right, whatever. So she would come and talk. We know, we know. <laughs> yes, yes, we know. Well, I mean, how many times do we need to hear from her, though? Like, what is she going to say? What sort of insight is she going to throw on us this time? Jamie, but, there's, uh, there's, certain, there's certain women that you get confrontational with, and I, I loved it about you. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why I went and met Daniel Harris again, just to spite you, just to say, hey, Jamie, look at this. Eyebrows, look, look, you know. Oh, man. See, even the eyebrows are trying to get away. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But um, She was always no, nice I, to me, though, Jamie. Okay, I, I was going to say about I, that. I, I don't doubt it. But uh, how how could you not be nice to you, Gary? You're nothing but a sweetheart. Well, they haven't gotten to know me yet, see. Um, but no, I don't have a problem with Monica Kaufman. I'm just saying, how many times did I need to hear her speak at assemblies? <laughs> but but whatever, no, she's nice. Um, but it was fun because I was pointing out, like, oh, there's a Peachtree Plaza. That's where my prom was. And oh, there's a the, the Davison's department store is not there anymore. It closed shortly after this. And um, it was just, I, I love seeing, play, I love when places are set. I still get giddy when places are set in my hometown. Yeah. Uh, you get giddy because Chicago pops up a lot and stuff. Well, I, 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 got, I got the Blues Brothers, which, you know, the Dixie Square yeah. Mall is, is knocked down. But, you know, they, they destroyed that mall that hobos live in there forever. And uh, so that's, that's something, you know. But, but most of um. Most of Blues Brothers was not filmed in Chicago. Just just parts of it. But um, I've I've, I've been in the the Honorable William J. Daly Plaza multiple times. That's where the assessor's office is, where you got to go pay your property taxes and tell the folks you lose your house and stuff. <laughs> it's very depressing. Let's put it that way, you know. Well, Brian's got RoboCop among damn strings. <laughs> you know what? That would be a fun show to do. Like a fun show to program is you know movies where you movies from where you are or set where you're from i don't know we'll figure out how to word it but you know <laughs> i've got the original walking tall oh my god that's one of my favorite movies ever and we actually yeah. covered that whole series on this show some well, of that got here. not the not the bad ones yeah <laughs> 
Way to get into the Kevin Sorbo joints. Oh. Oh yeah, just the the uh, the original, and then the two Bose Vincent flicks. But um, I love me some Walking Tall. Speaking of Walking Tall, you know, and denim, I'm gonna ask Ricky. Does he have anything else to say about uh, Invasion USA? Man, it's a great popcorn flick, man. I, 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 again, I can't say how impressed I was with how much I enjoyed it because I thought, yeah, it's, and even though it does have its kind of quirky, cheesy moments, you're still like, oh, that Chuck Norris. No one, no wonder he was so popular, right? I mean, it just, it just works. This is the right, the right thing for him. And, you know, I'm an early Chuck fan. I mean, I watched him through Good Guys Wear Black, all all those early martial arts things he did, Lone Wolf McQuaid. This is like, this is Chuck right here. I mean, this is, you know, if he has to pull out a resume and go, so what have you done? He'll go, see that movie Firewalker? Don't look at that one. Look at this one. <laughs> Invasion <laughs> USA. <laughs> I, li- I like Firewalker. This is a stupid, stupid charm to that fucking movie, you know. Right. But yeah, I, I think this one's surprisingly fun to watch again cool um sorry guys technical difficulties um so to say brian what about you sir well i've seen this movie a dozen times if not more it was one of those things that uh when i was growing up it was always on cable so uh every time it was on i'd watch it again um this was the first time i had Rewatched it in probably 20 years. Wow, really? Yeah. And it still holds up. I, I just love it. I love uh, Chuck, you know, karate chopping everybody and kicking everybody in the face. And I love his two little micro Uzis that, he, you know, he oh, just yeah. went around zipping every bzz, bzz, bzz. And uh, they're far more accurate than anybody with a rifle. Go figure. <laughs> um. And it's got some really good set pieces. I love the Blues Brothers-esque driving through the mall in his big old pickup. I love when the bad guys try and drive away and he grabs a woman. And, like, it's a car chase, but he's holding this woman on the outside of his car. And she's all, help, help. Um, Which is another why moment, right? You're like, why are you going to go? Just let her go. Let her go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... What good are you doing here? Just let her go and watch her fall, and you can go, yeah, look at that. But no, I'm just going to hold on to her while I drive 70. I love Chuck's all little, you know, one-upsmanship with all the terrorists, like, you know, taking their own bombs and throwing them back at them, and, you know, did you lose this? And just, just you know, out-terrorizing the, the terrorists. And I can't. I gotta mention again. I love that the main bad guy is terrified of Chuck Norris. I mean, fantastic. He like he shits his pants. I his whole thing is before we can start anything, we must kill this one guy. This one man. He can mess us all up, and you know, he can stop everything we're doing. We must kill Chuck Norris. And then when he finds out, he you know they messed up and they didn't do it. We gotta kill him. And then he finds out they messed up and they didn't do it. No, no, no. Bring everybody in. We have to do this. We need all I the mean, men, goddammit. Yeah, he is just so terrified of Chuck Norris. It is that, hilarious. I, I wish they would have established more of a history between the two of them. Like, they, like you know, more than just the one nightmare. It could have been a series of nightmares or something, you know? Yes. Cause, I mean, That's this, what I mean. 
This is the <laughs> one thing that keeps him awake at night. It's Chuck <laughs> Norris. One kick to the face. You know, you shouldn't kick me in the face, Chuck. My mother kicked me in the face once. Once. <laughs> but, uh, and then, yeah, it just, it's a lot of fun. You, you, there's a lot of good set pieces. I love when the terrorists do their Christmas raid in the suburbs with the rocket launchers. And it's come <laughs> pulling up and you can ridiculous. see the fan. I mean, this suburb is the most Americana suburb you can ever imagine. There's kids playing football. There's Christmas music coming from somewhere. There's a couple of teens making out in a car. There's one family decorating a tree outside. I mean, everything is just perfect. And then these two assholes come up and just start rocket launching everybody. <laughs> well, I, I think the problem, too, is that first house where they were decorating the tree out front. If I'm correct, they had a they were driving a Buick Skylark, and I think the problem is is their their low their motto for that car was you know Buick, Buick Skylark, foreigners hate you. <laughs> that could be. And I think that's um, what started this whole thing. <laughs> I love the international army of terrorists, where you know every sort of ethnicity and nationality and religious belief, everybody's equally represented. They just all want to come here. To mess stuff up. That's it. That's their one ideology. We're going to go to America and we're going to fuck that place up. Um, it's just, it's a lot and of fun. Chuck Norris says no. Yeah, Chuck Norris and not my country. Um, not my America. No way, man. And then I like the ending when they lure all the tourists and they have the National Guard show up and just, they have like a 20 minute shootout um, while Chuck is taking care of business inside the building. It's just, it's fun. I mean, this is. To me, this is a great example of 80s action. It ain't so steeped in the 80s where it becomes kind of like, you know, it's not like there's Rubik's Cubes all over the place and everybody's wearing leg warmers or any of that. But this is the type of movie yeah. that did not survive the 80s decade. And that's a shame right. because it's it's a whole lot of fun. Well, there was let's talk about. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, let's talk about the main detective for a second, because when he finally catches Chuck and he puts him away, I kept expecting him to say, now that I've got you locked up, I'm going to go back home and make Robert Hayes walk around the ledge at the top of the building. This was part of his plan, though, because they had the whole scene before they were talking to the, the, the guy he's working for. He's like, right. oh, no, he'll never go for it. They'll never go for it. Well, this this was his plan. He never he never never has the the, uh, the up, doesn't have the upper hand in this movie ever. Well, of course, he always has the upper hand. He even he even has a plan to say, you know what? Go ahead and fake arrest me and have this whole SWAT team come into my hotel room where I'm conveniently watching television, and you know, and then I'll get out and I'll go get the bad guys and stuff and be hilarious with rocket launchers. Yeah, I just I just I, mean, I just love that. I just love that it looked like that dude that was in Cat's Eye. <laughs> <laughs> that guy in Cat's Eye. That guy was magical. Just laughing at the ledge. <laughs> yeah. I love the wife's hair after oh. the dancing and the way. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, God. The cat, the cat room was hilarious. <laughs> wrong movie. Wrong movie. Yeah, one day. Uh, Jammins, um, what about you, girl? This movie is just, it makes no fucking sense, but it's so much fun. It's, I mean, in the beginning, when he goes to get him and he's like, hey, we need you to do this. And he's like, get somebody else. And he's like, no, we, you're the only one who can. And he's like, because that's always the way it is, yes. right? I mean, they're always the only one. Um, and then he's like, well, you know, of course, if you get, you know, if anything happens, we don't know you. 
I'm like, oh, well, then you get to the end of the movie and he has somehow orchestrated this entire huge thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you didn't know him. Like, I know, it but needed, now. It needed an 80s freeze frame ending with him giving a thumbs up, like, or like putting his finger oh, to his temple, like, see what perfect. I did there, you know? That would have been perfect. I love that the terrorists have absolutely zero trigger discipline. They are running around, <laughs> shooting before they get around the corner. They're, they're just shooting. having a good time. They're just, they're, you see them like a whole parade of them just coming around the corner, and they start shooting before they even get to the edge of the, like, to the hall. And they're just like, da, 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 da. and um, then when it's just Chuck and Richard in the building, he loads a clip, Richard Lynch loads a clip, Chuck's like, Rust off! And then he's like, just empties a clip to nothing. Like, and then he loads another clip. And he loads another clip. And Chuck's like, Rust off! And he's like, it's like, stop saying my name! I'm like, great plan. All you have to do is just do that until he runs out of ammunition and then walk out in the hall and get him. I kept thinking that too. I was like, you know, it'd be funny when, oh, you got me. Oh, you got to come over here and look at me now. That's that's. That's what they should have cut to, like a, a flashback scene of him in a therapist's office, and he gives like a whole like chunk run to run down, uh, you know, confession speech. And in the fourth grade, he pounced me on the school bus, and <laughs> haven't been the same since. I just these guys—they are running through ammunition like crazy, blowing shit up left and right. People are flying. There was one guy. I swear to God, it was a guy in the hat. He died like three times. Like he was, uh, he was one of the terrorist guys, and he just kept flying across the screen. I'm like, I've seen him multiple times. And in the Let sixth me. grade, on the field trip to the meatpacking plant, I tripped <laughs> my parents on the bus, and he pointed it out to everybody and laughed. Let me uh, another eightyism. Um, Chuck Norris. We don't know exactly who he works for or who he did work for, but it's referred to as the company. That is a very eighties thing to me. I yeah. mean, Steven Seagal always worked for the company. Stephen King, his bad guys were usually someone in the company. The company, right? Yeah. But that never that didn't really survive the eighties either. I mean, I don't know. And you said that was well, CIA. Yeah, they were supposed to be code for the CIA. And it was like yeah. a thing, you know. I'm working for the company. I think but you kind of get the, you get a little bit of that with Needful Things because it's an an eighties flashback kind of thing, but. I think it's kind of that same feel of what you're talking about because it's just very vague, very mysterious. Yeah. It's the Illuminati, you know. He's not working for nobody. He's the devil there, Ricky, okay? So it's good, it's good to go. <laughs> That's a different company. <laughs> he, just wants, he just wants to sell you a jacket. All you got to cost you is a mortal soul. Come on now. <laughs> and some random pranks. Yeah, this kind of uh, – this is – well, like I said earlier, right on the heels of Red Dawn. It was like one year out from Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and movies like this, with just there's so much America in them that you just you can't see straight. You know, it's um, stuff like Rambo, but not, not First Blood, but like Rambo 2, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, those sorts of things just don't fly anymore. They just don't make it anymore. But in the 80s... You could always count on patriotism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there'd be like a picture of Reagan on the wall. Of course. In the background. <laughs> An American flag blowing <laughs> slowly in the wind. <laughs> and, you know, somebody's going to shoot the shit out of some Russians. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I kind of I kind of love that. I do. Like, I, sure. I really, I 
I just, you know, I love this shit. So, (laughs) you know, back then to us, there was a genuine scare there. And I think that's what made it work. Whereas now, I mean, who are we afraid of? North Korea? I mean, yeah. You're absolutely right. Because during this time, this was right smack in the middle. I mean, was this 85? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. was right at the peak of when I would seriously cry myself to sleep at night because I was terrified that we've all heard the day after story. Okay. (laughs) Well, I know everybody's heard it, except for people who didn't hear that, but but it's true. It's absolutely true. Like it was, it was a very terrifying time period, you know, and I was only 11 years old at the time. I was hearing stuff on the news. I was hearing grownups talk about it. And to me, the end of the world was right around the corner. Because I didn't, I didn't know any better. Like I didn't understand that there were things like you know, um, like mutual. What's it called? Mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't understand that concept. Mm-hmm. I just thought that any second we were going to die. We were all going to die. I remember when I was a kid, and I it dawned on me. We used to have storm drills where, you know, oh, a tornado's coming because Midwest. But you were supposed to get under your desk or sometimes you would go out in the hall and, you know, get on your knees and put your head down. We had the same ones, yeah. And then I realized this isn't about storms. This is about the bomb. Right. I mean, maybe it's about storms as well, but mostly this is, you know, drills to survive a, an atomic blast. And I'm like, you're not going to survive this. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we had a fallout shelter in the school, in the basement of my school. And I did you go thinking, into it? Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. we had one. I remember seeing the signs and not knowing what they were until some years later and then going, oh, shit. But we never went in there. We, we didn't go in there as part shit. of the drill. They took us in there one time. They kind of did a paraded us through there to show us where it was. And. Every other time we had a, every time we had a drill, it was always head like you had to sit cross legged, facing the wall, yeah. with your head down and your hands over it's the back of your neck, ducking cover. And um, it just—I remember one time. I this is so stupid. This is so stupid. I can't believe I'm admitting it, but whatever. I was in the fourth grade. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And my best friend and I. Uh, Something had happened, and we ended up having a drill, and we were so scared, we actually wrote wills. Aww. We did. We wrote wills and put them in our back pockets <laughs> so that if anybody found our bodies, then, you know, they would know who would get my Walkman or whatever. Like, <laughs> it was oh, so wow. stupid. <laughs> but, I awesome. mean, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous now to be, to, to ever be that afraid of anything. To Sheila, you get my best banana clips. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Hopefully they bury me in my banana clips. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'll leave you my half can of Aquanet. (laughs) But, Ricky, you know what I mean, right? Like, I mean, not writing wills or or anything, but. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. We just had Bo on House of Wax, and we were talking about growing up in the 70s and how we were guilt-tripped about pollution, the crying end in, all that stuff. And I said, when the eighties hit and everybody said, yeah, this time tomorrow we'll probably be dead. So everybody's like, okay. screw it. Let's yeah. just have fun. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, it, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You know, we had in the '60s, like everyone talks about the boomers now. You know, but honestly, if I had something to be angry about, that that'd be what I was angry about. Because while you're sitting, you're like steady bitching about the boomers. Those boomers are the same ones who are responsible for all the movements that we had in the '60s. Anything yep. at all to do with with this with civil rights. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be as far along as we are now. So shut your face. But also, oh, they're the same ones who were who were the first ones to be in you know who cared about the environment. Now. Then we hit the 80s. They all turned into yuppies. They all sold out, decided we were about to die, and said, fuck it, and shoved cocaine up their nose. But that's like a whole different like, That's a whole <laughs> different thing. And it's honestly, it's because we were on the brink of destruction. I mean, sure. that's the entire decade of the 80s. And everyone talks about the decade of decadence and how it was the me that, you know, that everyone only cared about themselves. And it was true because... We were on the brink of destruction because everyone thought they were going to die because we thought it was going to be the miracle mile every second, you know, right. and um, and that is a very human response to that, you know. So and then you do get movies like this and where it's just um, you're throwing you know, it back in the bad guy's face. I mean, exactly. you're saying, yeah, yes. come over here. We got Chuck Norris waiting on you. That's right. Come at us because we are America and we're going to stand. And, and, and we this, went from that to don't tase me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but I think if you just if you think about it and you tr and you put everything together, everything makes sense. That entire decade make, makes so much sense. And uh, the and movies like this make this is what the movies like this is what got everyone through all of that fear. All of that, everything else is because you had movies where there was one guy who would rise to the top, one guy who would be the hero, one guy who would come save you, the Chuck Norrises, the Rambos, you know, and that was something to cling to. That was something to hold on to when you thought everything else was falling apart around you, you know, even the Rocky, like take Rocky four when it's Absolutely. all, you know, America out. Um, yep. It's it's that's nothing but response. Yep. And I just, holy crap. Yeah, you know, because if, if I can change, and you can change. And you can change. We all can change. change. <laughs> You're going to get a standing O from Gorbachev. Got to love fake Gorby in that movie, man. He's all over the place, you know. That's why I miss that, because it's stuff like that where we did actually, it kind of brought us together. Yeah. And... Now you look around at our country and everything is so divided and everyone's so angry. Man. I want and I want this back. I want this again. You know. And all I was worried about was getting beat up on my way home from the hostess discount store, which you know, you know how many Twinkies I could buy for five dollars back in those days? Lots, lots, <laughs> and lots of Twinkies and pudding pies and you know, man oh man. My dad used to go to the hostess store. He bought a shit ton of snowballs. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a good night right there, see. <laughs> but um, yeah, Invasion USA needed needed a therapy session scene where he just talked about that. But um, it's just it's just a, a pure action good, and I um, this is one of the best titles that Canon has to offer. That's not really being insulting. It's just it's just everything that a Canon film is, you know, from beginning to end. I mean, because it starts with with it, it um. 
Richard Lynch's boat pulling up on an immigrant's boat and just killing all the people, including children. You, you find out why after, but then it cuts to Chuck Norris on a fan boat looking rugged as shit. And then you know you're in for a good time. Because, you know, yeah. And, and how many times does Richard Lynch have to stop? He's like Arsenio Hall in Harlem Nights when they're shooting the guns. Because he always says stop and go, stop shooting! Stop! <laughs> there was just, that one guy just liked it a little bit too much. It's like, overkill! Stop! Stop! Uh... But yeah, I'm about to get in the boat, so don't shoot. <laughs> <sighs> That's good, though, man. Ricky, what do you give a one to ten, my friend? I'm gonna give us a good solid eight, man. Cool, Jamie. I think that sounds about right. As much and because it is so much fun, I do love it. It clearly gets me pumped up, as you, as everyone was just witness to. Um, but. At the same time, there are like there are a couple of things left dangling here, like that reporter who has no reason to be there at all and then just mysteriously disappears, and you know the whole big why. I mean, it's a whole lot of great action, but there really isn't much plot. And yeah. um, but I'd say that whole lot of great action totally deserves a big strong eight. Cool, Brian. There- um, I'm going to go one step above and give it a nine. Maybe that's right. nostalgia talking. Um, I don't care. This movie makes me giggle from beginning to end. I just love it. So, uh, yeah, there's a few things. It has a few missteps. And as far as storytelling, it's not the best. But uh, it's just a whole pile of fun. Yeah, uh, I'm with that eight out of ten. I'm going to go with that as well. It's, a, it's just a big dumb action where you just throw on. No matter how how, uh, how how good how how bad your day is, this will probably brighten it up a little bit for you. Although I, I, I mentioned I mentioned Delta Force, so I think maybe I didn't, but I think the Delta Force soundtrack is better than the soundtrack, so it's got that going for it. And it has Lee Marvin too, so I can't I can't argue that I like Delta Force more than this movie. I do love Delta. I do love Delta Force. <laughs> Don't forget about the best it. thing I in hate. Delta Force is the rocket launching dirt bikes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah, mostly eights, one nine from Brian, and that that's these are these are great scores for this movie. But we're gonna move on to another disorganized group of terrorists. We're, uh, yeah, we'll get into who the heavy is. I, I love actor. I love. Uh, we're talking about one Marion Cobretti in Cobra next. Santa, I make my runs about the break of day. They call me back door Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. Oh, oh, oh. I make all the little girls happy while the boys are out to play. Some change in my pocket, chase the children at home. I give them a few pennies so that we can be alone. I 
leave the back door open so if anybody smells them out and with no sign I'll be in trouble if ain't no chimney in the house they call me back door Santa I make my runs about to break a day look at here I make all the little girls happy while the boys are out to play that's what they call me back door Santa that's what they call me they call me back door Santa that's what all the girls call me I give them all the presents that's what they call me they call me back door Santa and I like them to call me that they call me back door Santa Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? everything I had. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him? Do what you do best. strong arm of the law. Cobra from 1986, one year later, of course, starring uh, the great Sylvester Stallone and uh, the still very foxy Brigitte Nielsen. Your plot synopsis is this. A tough on a tough on crime street cop. That's a that's a big mouthful right there. Must protect the only surviving witness to a strange murderous cult with far-reaching plans. Not really reaching that far though. <laughs> just, just cutting people. This is uh, directed maybe by George P. Cosmatos. I've heard about his directing style. Is uh, very much his names on it, but other folks do the work for him. Uh, yeah, this also starts. Stars Rini Santoni, who I know from Bad Boys, not the Martin Lawrence one, but the good one. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Robinson, Brian Thompson as the Night Slasher. I mentioned the great character actor, bad guy. He's it. Yeah. Art LaFleur, I love that guy. Oh, there's there's some other great actors in this movie, but uh, those are the ones that I know for right now. And uh, I'll kick it to Brian first. What about what about Cobra, sir? What do you think about it? Love it. Um... I love that it begins with Stallone given his every 23 minutes there's a murder every 15 minutes. I mean, just really selling the whole America's gone to hell and only Cobra can save us. Um, I love the cult. Again, you've got every race and creed and social economical, you know, strata in this thing i love the business suit guy uh you know <laughs> yeah. standing you know shoulder to shoulder with the biker guy um 
And I love the cult. Their idea of fun is getting into a wet warehouse and clanging their axes together for like, you know, 20 minutes or something. Um, I love the first scene in a supermarket. It is just so over the top. Uh, you know, the guy is just so he is so insane. He is so bloodthirsty. He's ah, I'm going to kill them all. And, ah. and then Stallone just, of course, you know, Cobra drives a 1950s muscle car. Of course, he's wearing cowboy boots. Of course, he has sunglasses on. Of course, he's chewing on a matchstick. Of course, he doesn't even have a holster for his gun. He just shoves it into the front of his pants. And, of course, his gun has a big cobra on it. I mean, this is just, he is so glorious when he steps out. And, of course, he always, I, this movie takes place in about a week, I think. Yet his beard, his, you know, his shadow, it never increases nor decreases. It is the same density for the whole film. So, you know, he's manscaping like a motherfucker, but he's too cool to be shown doing that. Um... I love when he comes strolling into the supermarket and the guy's like, I'm going to blow it all up. And he's like, go ahead. I don't shop here. Yeah. (laughs) That is so good. You're a disease. I'm the cure. And I'm like, yes. Show me, show me, show me how you do that trick. Uh, Wrong cure. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's corny as all hell, but I love it. Um, I love what you say is Brian Johnson or Thompson? Brian Thompson. That's it. He's been love... heavy in like tons of things. Oh yeah, that's, um, that's that's Brian Johnson. Yes, that guy. <laughs> that that's it. That's why I always. I mean, I loved him in Terminator when he had to give up his clothes. I loved him in Fright Night Two when he was eating bugs. Yes, I loved him in the X Files when he was the alien bounty hunter. I mean. That guy can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. He is always on point whenever he's there. And he's, you know, nine times out of ten or more, he's the bad guy. And he's just, he's a great bad guy here. Um, I had the Cobra knife as a kid. Um, and it was glorious. It's basically a trench knife on steroids with spikes. And I just love that thing. I don't know what the hell happened to it. Somewhere between... I don't know, age uh, 15, 16 to now, I lost it. But for a while, it was my centerpiece. I love that damn thing. Did you buy it at the flea market, man? You sell the shit well, of course. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Where else are you going to get it? Just selling martial arts weapons to children and shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had some Chinese stars. <laughs> Same here, man. But uh, Bridget Nielsen is just beautiful in this. Her legs are longer than my entire body, I think. I mean, they just go up and up and up. Um, I love it. It's a quick-moving film. It's under an hour and a half. Um, and it it's very, you know, okay, there's a bunch of crazies in town. Some girl sees them. The crazies now want to kill them. So then chase. And that's the movie. And they just happen to wind up at a forge. And let me say... I worked in a forge for about a dozen years. There are no random fire pits. There are no sparks spewing from God knows where for no apparent reason. There's no rivers and lakes of lava. But it works for this film. 
I really oh and I love the open you know can of gas he can conveniently kick on people and then light them up <laughs> yeah. yeah that wasn't stored in a cabinet anywhere no it's just <laughs> it sells that matchstick he's always been chewing on you know he's just been waiting for that um this I love how it has the Halloween 2 segment where you know the bad guy comes into the hospital stalking yep. his victim uh it's just it's it's great. I love the blatant product placement. This whole movie makes yeah. me want to drink a Pepsi. Absolutely. Um, I love the fact that there's a scene where Cobra comes pulling up in his car, and there's those people who was parked out, I guess, in his spot, and he's like, you know, you got to move your car, and of course, you know, he's alone. But uh, there's a scene in there. You might have seen it. If not, watch it again and look for it. He rips the guy's shirt. You know, just showing how badass he is. He would have got shot in the face if he did that shit in the ghetto, man. Well, yeah. But to this point, he rips the guy's shirt, and you can see his mic. You can see the actor's mic taped to his mm. chest. And I, I've i always spotted that, and I'm always like, why didn't they do another take? They didn't I mean, have another shirt. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> it is painfully obvious, and I'm like, you're just going to go with that, okay? Oh, okay. Um... As to George Cosmatus, probably mangling it, the director, uh, him and Stallone first got together for Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and that movie was awesome. So this movie stands to reason would be awesome. But I always heard George was a bastard as a director. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would just, you know, you're going to do it my way and you're going to do it. You know, he he had like a Kubrick sensibility, just none of the talent to back from it up. I, from what I hear, his name is just on Tombstone, but it's mostly directed by Kurt Russell. Oh, that's, well... That's, that's what I heard. Case in point of both Rambo and this one, I've always heard that basically Stallone just came in and said, you know, you sit over there, I'm going to handle this. And basically Stallone directed everything. And, like, when it came to Stallone, George would back down and, you know, fine, fine, you do it, you do it, you do it. But anybody else, he would just be a dick to. Um, Are you going to challenge Stallone? Well, no, because, you know, he's the star. And, of course, Stallone, another interesting fact, at least I thought it was, uh, this is based off a novel called Fair Game. And then there was another movie adaptation of Fair Game. It was uh, in the 90s. Was this a Billy Baldwin uh, movie? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was Baldwin and... Uh, Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, yes. And I that is more true to the story as far as I know, because... I mean, surprise, surprise, there were no, there was no cult of crazies clanging axes and, you know, it was more of a, a woman witnesses something she shouldn't have and now the bad guys want her and, you know, somebody's going to help her get out of town. Yeah, but that, well, that, that sounds stupid. Yeah. That movie have badass an, is clanging axes. Does that movie have an interrogation slash posing with robots uh, montage in it? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Uh, I love that Stallone, you know, breaks out of his pizza and he cuts off a little piece of scissors and eats it that way. And it's like, what is that? Is, is that supposed to be like a character defining moment? What does that say? I don't know why you couldn't just take a bite. No. Just take Suzanne, a bite. One slice. Suzanne says that's a New York thing. This is oh. what Suzanne says. Eating pizza with scissors? Yeah, to cut it with scissors. Bullshit, I have never, ever seen anyone in New York 
cut their piece. No, they don't cut it at all. I you thought just, they folded. You it. fold it. Yeah. yeah, you get a slice and then you eat. I mean, I've, I've done it lots. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've never seen anybody cut. I, I always I looked at it as it's it's the thing of you know he's always busting on his on his partner for eating all the sweets and stuff all the time so he's like very controlling what he's eating and you know pizza's got everything on it you got yeah, your veggies you got your dairy so it's almost like this is my way of controlling myself I actually considered that too and I'm thinking how long has he had that pizza. Like if he eats it that little bit at a time, he, that's like, like three weeks old. That's why, he has, <laughs> that's why he has to cut it with scissors. He can't bite it. <laughs> so yeah, Gary, you mentioned uh, you mentioned my uh, my affection for that scene. Yes. What's fu- the What's funny about that is we uh, a couple of years ago we were going through this juicing phase, and we had been juicing for a week, like nothing, no solid food. Just juicing. That was enjoyable. And uh, and you're fine. Like while while you, while you're doing it, you're fine. You know, like you're just you know you're getting all the nutrients that you need. You feel great. You know, whatever. But you, it's weird because after when it when it has hit like the week mark, you kind of forget how to chew. Mm-hmm. And then you just you know you're in this like weird iffy stage. Like you really kind of want to eat something, but then at the same time, like you you miss chewing, but you kind of don't remember how to do it. It was weird. It's this whole weird mindset. Anyway, so we watched Cobra just because, and we get to that scene, and suddenly I was just like, like I have to have pizza! Like, it was so funny. And that is like the most unappetizing pizza scene in any movie next to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. And for whatever reason, when he just cut that, when he cut that slice of pizza with those scissors, I was just like, ah! Tear this house down if I don't get pizza. <laughs> like, I, did, oh, I did not get this pizza. Is, this is all I'm gonna eat for the day. This little this little corner of this pizza, you know. <laughs> mm, that's good. Because it's made by Olympus bread like the elves have, you know, right. in Lord of the Rings. And uh, but I was like, fasting. I need to, I need to chew, I need to chew something. So I didn't get pizza. Um, but w- we did get salads and that was something. And well, chewing, I got tired. You, it was so weird. My my jaw was worn out from chewing yeah. after after eating a salad. It was. And let me tell you, crazy. your poop gets really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate that. I hate <laughs> bathroom talk. <laughs> um, two more things before I'm done. I want to mention Art Lafleur. Art Lafleur. 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 Yeah. Um. I love him and everything. He has such a great face. He has one of those faces that looks like it should be made out of stone on Easter Island. It is just massive and blocky, but it's just it's everybody talks about Bruce Campbell's chin. I think he has a better chin. He just it is chiseled. Um and he always he always does good work. And then finally, um Andrew Robertson as the Dick Detective. Um he was great in here. I mean, uh, I just, I love him. He is so smarmy. He's such an asshole. Just so you know, I didn't want you here. Yeah. Like, well, why is that even necessary? To thanks. <laughs> he's got to be the one to say, he's a wild card. We don't need him here. Yeah. You know. Um, and I love the ending where he gets decked out. So it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a great slice of 80s action and I dig it. Uh, yeah. I, I know LaFleur from the Sandlot, of course, because he's the babe that the King Crash, yeah. the great Bambino. And uh, McNulty from the Transfer series because I watch those constantly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, he, yeah, just, we, he appears in like a ton of things. Every you know, 
every so often, and it's like, holy shit, it's him. Oh, boy. Ricky, Cobra Brother, tell me about it. Again, uh, I haven't seen this. Me and, me and my wife wouldn't seen this when it came out. Of course, she wasn't my wife back then, but still. We wouldn't seen this, and I haven't seen it since. And this one blew me away even more than Invasion USA did. I actually forgot how good this movie actually is. And I was telling my wife earlier about it. I said, you know, I, I, I'm i really surprised at both of these, but probably more so this one than the other. Of course, at this one, if you look at it, you, you've, you're hitting all the right keys while I go, Brian, because you're talking about the direction that it went into. You've got the cloud of Stallone in it. Plus, I mean, even though it's even though it's a canon film, it's distributed by Warner Brothers, so they had a little more push into what was going on. So it feels more like a legit movie than it does – I don't want to say it that way. It doesn't feel so much like a canon movie. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, it's got, it's got that – and what I love about this movie is it takes you, to me, through a series of movies. You know, Brian said where I go. It's got the Halloween 2 feel in the hospital. You've got the RoboCop Terminator ending You know, in the, in the metal shop. You've got uh, – you know, the, the scene in the grocery store that, that, you know, feels like a gritty death wish kind of thing. You know, so you're taking all these parts that uh, the, the, the other police officer, his partner, is like the detective in Deep Red. He's always snacking on snacks and, you know, trying to be involved, and you've got that conversation going on. Uh, Bridget Nielsen at this point, I mean, I think I remember going and seeing this, and I was like upset so what year did this come out? 86? 87? Yes, 86. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm 16, and in my mind I'm going, why in the world would be he be in a movie with that Russian chick? <laughs> 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 so the impact of Rocky IV was definitely there. But uh, did anybody catch the kind of goof that happens with her? Because when she's doing all the photo shots, there's the shot where she's not wearing a wig. Yeah, and you see the haircut from Rocky Four, but I, you, I in, did, and I didn't know if it was on purpose or. I thought it might have been another wig because she she has like three or four different hairstyles in that one montage alone. Well, let me ask you this: the haircut she has the rest of the show, you couldn't fit that hair under that hair, so it's almost like. Yeah, true. We forgot we forgot the wig, but uh, hey, who cares? You know, because all the other wigs were definitely, I mean, there was no denying. They they weren't ashamed that they were, here's a black wig with some silver, you know, stripes right. in it or, you know. And uh, I just, I think maybe they just used that and thought, oops, mm, we didn't think about that. But but you know what's greater than that? Man. What? Cobra's hand grenades. These things, <laughs> I mean, I there's more fire in them than there is explosion. I mean, Tell when what I said, things, baby. man, oh. Brian said, angry don't work that way. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Not at all. But angry don't work that way. I get that all the time though. With any kind of weaponry, I get guns don't work like that. <laughs> whenever anybody has a, whenever anybody has an automatic and it runs out of, and it runs out of bullets and they keep clicking and he's like, yeah. guns don't work that way. Guns right. don't work that way. So, like now, whenever whenever someone actually makes a movie and they do it right, I'm like, look, baby, guns work that way. <laughs> but you yeah, get a little, like anger days don't work that way. <laughs> you even get a little bit of bullet in here with the car scenes and they're jumping over the the hills and all. I mean, you mm-hmm. can I mean you can see where they pulled a lot of this stuff. That would and, destroy their suspension, by oh, yeah, the way. Yeah, they yeah. would have none left after like the second hill. I was really yeah, surprised. I like that one uh, yeah, jump where exactly. Cobra's car hits the sign 
above and yeah. all the sparks fly out. That was yeah. just, that was awesome. Yeah. The, the action in this movie is really, really good. And uh, I think that's what surprised me because I expected it to be a little more, let's say, Ninja 3, <laughs> you know, as far as the, the, the you know, the cop Don't chase. you badmouth Ninja 3. I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's one of my favorite movies, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, I think I think the action in this one is really superb. Uh, I think they did a great job. And again, we're talking about the bad guy. He's an ultimate bad guy. I mean, he'll always be that guy, you know, uh, that just that big that big jawline and the the the, the just that, that serial killer look he has in his eyes, man. I mean, he's he's perfect for these kind of roles. Yeah. And uh, I remember I, being I, there. I always say yeah. he looks like he he was supposed to be attractive, but he didn't cook quite long enough. <laughs> yeah, so like like he, he didn't quite make it. He's supposed to come out like the saxophone player and and. Uh, <laughs> But it didn't quite happen, right? (laughs) Oh, and we got to bring up the soundtrack on this thing, man. You got some heavy hitters on the soundtrack. So this is a legit, they put some money behind this Joker, man. So uh, I don't know, man. I was really, really surprised at how much I liked this movie. In regards to the cost, I want to say when this came out, uh, Stallone was the highest paid actor ever in this film. Of course, other people surpassed him later on, but yep. I, remember, I remember that being a thing. This, this, yeah, is, probably, this, this is probably part of the, the, the money they stole from Masters of the Universe to make this movie, so <laughs> you're welcome, right. Cobra. You know, And the whole idea of, again, we, we get that the, the whole canon idea of, well, there's this crazy cult, but there's no ex- explanation. <laughs> there's just a group of wackos that want to take over the world. I mean, that's kind of it. And, um, and kill kill people, yeah. and that's, that's about yeah, it, really, you know. Yeah, you know, let's get together, clang some axes, get all macho, and go out and use knives instead. Um, <laughs> you know. oh, and real quick, one really dark bit. Um, when Cobra's watching the news and oh yeah, shit, they're yeah. recounting his victims, and yeah. the final one is including a sexually molested child or something like that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Like include an old, an elderly, an elderly, yeah, it's like you know, a sexually assaulted child. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I mean, even Freddy Krueger never molested kids in the original nightmares. <laughs> so I mean, these guys are worse than Freddy. Well, and that's the thing about this because you kind of get in the same setup as you have in Invasion USA, except these guys are more of the underbelly, right? Yeah. These are your go out by night kind of thing. Well, I don't know. They tried that in Invasion USA. Oh, we got a curfew now. Oh, crap, man. They can shoot people anytime they want to. They don't have to just wait till night. But uh, these guys, you know, there's a little more off the cuff. Um, And then the whole fact of having somebody on the inside, so they're tracking all their moves. They're they're keeping everybody informed. I mean, who knew that Rizzo, when she left Greece, was going to be such a... person you, you know who i thought that was ricky i thought that was the sister from superman 3 robert vaughn's sister uh uh-uh. yeah <laughs> i just kept waiting for the supercomputer to attack her and put metal uh, on her face and you, now you talk about which, nightmares that's more yes. of a nightmare than chuck norris kicking me in the face as a kid well, I, I turned that on at that scene like on hbr or something i was terrified for like three days man, me too, man. <laughs> anyway oh, i'm sorry go ahead yeah i'm sorry uh, 
I, I love I love this movie, man. I, I'm really surprised. It makes me want to watch it again because I'm like, I can't believe this is this good versus what I remember. So there you go. Cool. Jamie? I love this movie. This is one of my favorite Stallone movies. We actually watch this fairly regularly. Because um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it's it's not uncommon for one of us to just go, I want to watch Cobra. Like, it just, it, it happens. I just, I, I adore everything about it. The action, it's dark. I love the axe thing. I love how everything is all 1986 hazy. You know, yeah. like, especially when they're, it, the way it's, the way their hideout is lit. You've got, you know, the slats of light coming through. It looks very 86. And then when we were watching it, I'm like, what year was this? I'm going to say 86. And he's like, it was 86. And I'm like, I can always tell a 1986 film. And I actually said this on a recent podcast that we did together where I was talking about how 1986 movies had a very specific look to them. And if you think I'm making that up, go watch a bunch of movies from 1986 because it's just, they, um, it's particularly this whole hazy, uh, like soft focus thing. Um, it just was used a lot, you know, and I love that about it though. It looks phenomenal. They did some really, I think clever things with the cinematography that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a canon thing. Um, but for instance, with the first time we see Rizzo and she, when she's attacking the woman in the car or, you know, going up to the woman in the car. I, yeah. Real quick. Have you been drinking? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, when she, they do this upward angle shot of her and the very next time we see her is when she's looking up at the woman's information on the computer and the police station and they do the exact same shot. And when she's all culted out, she looks like the toe cutter for Mad Max. Oh, wow. <laughs> Please yes. put that image in your head now. See, <laughs> she's a, she looks like just maniacal, but they do the exact same shot of her. But this time she's all, you know, police uniform and everything. So you get the you get to see the two different versions of her, and they shoot it exactly the same way. I think that's I think that's pretty clever, you know, and that just shows some actual thought going into. I wonder these shots. if that was George or, Sly. or Stallone. Yeah. yeah, I mean Stallone's a good director. He so. is. I think you just nailed it with the word thought. Yeah. <laughs> I think it separates some of the other movies that's from the canon world because it's like, yeah, we didn't really think about that. Uh, sure, just yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and then at the end when we were in the foundry and you've got the – there's some really nice-looking shots. And you know what? It, I know it's totally unrealistic the way with all the just random fires everywhere, and especially with, since no one's working. Like, why would you just have everything on, you know? But um, – it looks very cool, even if it's totally unrealistic. And, of course, they're counting on the fact that the average person isn't going to give a shit about that. They're just going to think it looks cool. The yeah, car chases your, your, are phenomenal. Your, your answer is the 1980s, why it's all set up. There you why go. Is there a big, why is there a big vet of toxic waste in, in the, 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 um, the thing at the end of RoboCop? That guy gets all over the place. You know why? Because it's, it's the 1980s. Because it's the 80s. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, of course. Well, why where not? else are you going to store your toxic waste? That's a good question. Right. Um, don't, mind, don't mind those big metal hooks that are going by either. They don't mean anything. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. That, that's that is. 
And that is such a great ending. That is the best. Honestly, okay, here we go. Best villain kill between Invasion USA and Cobra. I got to give it to Cobra. I love Invasion USA, but I love him sticking him on the hook and him just, Uh, you know what would have been better, though? If he stuck him on the hook and he went into the fire, and when he hit the fire, he just exploded. So you kind of get the best of both of And just go straight to credits afterwards. Yeah, well, Ricky, what do you think? What's your vote? I, I have to go with the Cobra one just because, I mean, you're you're focused on it, man. You you know it's going to happen. You see it happen, and you're still watching him go all the way into the furnace. So you're like, yeah, burn him up. Yeah, Pig. Like the, the darker version of that file guy from Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, Gary, what about you? Oh, just for my sheer hatred for Terminator 2, how much that reminds me of, you know, I order you not to kill yourself. You know, no, not, nothing like that. It goes to Cobra because it's just insane. And You think like the biggest build, the, the, he's, he's got a very big build that he can set himself free from this hook and like keep fighting, but he gets burned up real good. That's fine. And that's fine. <laughs> I love his speech at the end. Come on, yeah. pig. Yeah. You want to you wanna kill me, pig? <laughs> um, Stallone, to, and I give it to Cobra as well, so it has a, it's swept it. Um, Stallone, to me, this is like the best he's ever looked, apart from, and this yeah. is why Brian was like, don't get her started. And, um, oh, he's dreamy. And, no, the only time I think he looked better was when uh, he was rocking the Serpico beard in Nighthawks. In Nighthawks. <laughs> to me, that's like the best Stallone has ever looked. This is the second best right behind that. I love him. In the, and I'm not even a big Stallone. Like, I love his movies, but I've never been like, oh, my God, Sylvester Stallone. Like, it's not my thing. But in those two movies, he is. So <laughs> I love the way he looks in this. I love his swagger. I love everything. I mean, we start out at the beginning in this grocery store with just shit going to hell. And the guy pisses me off when he shoots that Pepsi display because I've always loved that that Pepsi yeah. display with pouring Pepsi. Not the kid running down the aisle. No. It was the Pepsi display. No, that kid <laughs> running down the aisle. Dude, I told him to dodge. I told him <laughs> to zigzag and he doesn't listen. And I'm like, dude, dive to the, you know, dive to the side. Don't just run straight down the damn aisle. But anyway... It's just, it's balls-to-the-wall fun. It's There's so much action. There's so much just going on. And this cult, I love this cult. I mean, if that was Stallone's, well, I guess it was because he wrote the screenplay. Well, he so, rewrote it, but yeah. So if that was his addition, I, then I, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad because to me that is like one of the best things in an action film. It's like one of the best group of villains, even though we have a much larger group of villains in Invasion USA, I think they're much more fun in this, because but, that whole, the, even like the business guy, and yeah, like you I, have a business guy. Some bald business dude hanging out, <laughs> just clinging his axes. You know, and again, the, the beauty of that too, is sometimes when you don't have an explanation, makes it better, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, uh, I can think of so many situations where if you would have just not told us that, these movies would be golden, but you kind of messed it up. Thank no, you, George exactly. Lucas, for giving us metachlorians, right? It, it feels like a like a Fight Club kind of thing. Like anybody could be, you know, in his revolution, yeah. whatever the fuck that is. You don't know what the hell his right. revolution is, but you know. Yeah, well, they give you a little bit of a taste where, once again, Brian is like, you know, 
we are the new future. We kill the weak so the strong survive. So no, your history. I'm guessing it's some sort of, you know, idea of, uh, you know, killing off all the weak and poor and whatever, and they will inherit the earth. But I thought they, I thought you just hated I thought they just hated oranges because that's kind of where it all ends up, you know. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there's just so many fun things. We get the that whole shootout in the in the motel, like the the motor court. And what kills me is because when the they're coming out in the morning and they realize that Rizzo's gone, and then he's like, oh, he notices that the bad guys are pulling up, so he's like. Run in the house, and they run in two separate houses. I'm like, why can't they just go in the same? <laughs> go in the same house. Like, wouldn't that be better? <laughs> but whatever. Um, it's just it, this. It's a good time. I love it so much. I never, ever, ever tire of watching this movie. And um, yeah, I can't. I can't say enough about it. Absolutely love it. Cool. Yeah, me. I I, I dig it a lot. I, one thing I really shines on to me is uh. Cobra's car we mentioned, but um, yeah. it's like indestructible in a way because he's got like those uh, things all over the, the the lug nut area there, and the only thing they really shot out was his headlights. All the damage he did to his car, he basically did to himself except for the headlights. And I just like the look of the car. The car is really cool, and yeah, everybody needs a cool yeah. car like that. And the, the I love that can... he has airplane seatbelts. It's not even regular seatbelt. He has, like, jet fighter, you know, harness whistle fin because his car is so bad. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, every, everything about, you know, the, 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 we mentioned a lot of stuff. Already, you mentioned a lot of stuff already about the, the convenience store scene. That just sets up that character oh so well. Just to say, this is, this is what he is. This is a badass. This is a guy they have to call in when things get out of sorts. I agree with you. That guy should have maybe because he he heard the guy cocking the shotgun and the guy's unhinged. You hit the deck right then, okay? I don't care if he says I, 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 I'll, I'll let you go. You know, this guy's fucking unhinged as shit. You fucking hit the deck, or, or you know, how's right. the cage put in Connor? You fight fucker, hit the fence. Yeah, right. <laughs> you you fight fucker, hit the fence. And <laughs> this kid died by his own uh, his own. Um, his own stupidity, basically, and yeah, it's just the great establishing scene. Just to introduce you to that character. It's one of the best establishing scenes that introduced to any character in any movie. And I why didn't any, why didn't anybody else before Cobra get there think about sneaking in? <laughs> you know, I got it's one like, better. Uh, <laughs> How come nobody snuck out? There's a scene where right. Cobra's going through the grocery store, and there's like there's an the old man. Where- yeah, there's an old man in a wheelchair, and there's like a mom. He's and just a... got his. He's sitting in the aisle with his hands over his face. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, they left me here." I'm stuck. <laughs> and there's a mom with her kid, and I'm like, "Just go." He's in the back. You know where he's at. Just go. Yeah, yeah. That's just about what it's like. They they called him and wait for him to show up, and he just you know sneaks in. I'm like, they're probably going. Man, he's a genius. <laughs> no, he just, he just walked in. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Why did I think of just making snide comments and then shooting him afterwards, you know? Ne- well, next time, it, next time. Oh, and then some all of the go, guys some of us were like, did you use too much force? Like, I used, I gave her, I, I used everything I had. Yeah, um, I love that. But I'm like, you know what, fuck you, dude. This guy is in here shooting people indiscriminately. 
and you you want me to save his ass to take him to trial? Get the fuck out of here. This guy's in here busting his ass. You know, no, I'm playing. You know, it's a. <laughs> but that that's just. But that whole ties into the whole speech that you get at the end with. You know, go ahead, pig, turn me in. Yeah, I have rights to. You know, so it all ties into that thing. And we like when people say, "I am the law," which you know he oh, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> trying to control. So he's done that before. Yes, the law. <laughs> which which is a film that I do not hate. I I, I do love his adaptation of Shred Shred. That's, that's another show altogether, though. But. Yeah, Cobra's just, again, just like Invasion USA, it's got a cult that has, doesn't really establish that, 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 that they're really going to do anything. It's just kind of there. But you don't give a fuck because they're clanging axes around and then they, they kill people off screen, you know. You can't show somebody cutting somebody's head off. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Brigitte, Brigitte Nielsen's your classic damsel in distress. Wearing a much better wig than Jamie Lee had in Halloween, too, I'll tell you right now. It's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. And, um,. Great stuff with his partner. You gotta love the, the the buddy partner and um all that good stuff. That their relationship is hilarious about him him, him eating healthy because he eats a corner of pizza every day. This guy eats a bunch of junk food. The back and forth that is great. Oh my god, I, I like that actor. Reedy Santoni is a great actor. I've seen him other stuff too. I just can't really recall what that is. Um, I like the dueling the dueling good cop bad cop captains. The Art Art Lafleur yeah. and Andrew Robinson. Play those roles to a T, and I, 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 everything about it is good. Great, great car chases, you know. Great baddie and Brian Thompson. This is probably one of the only films where he plays like the lead baddie, like on his own in a way. Yeah, he plays he plays the heavy in lots of stuff, but this is like kind of like Clint Howard. There's not many films that star Clint Howard. This is a film that stars Brian Johnson, but he's like six build on on the credits, and that's fine. But he's he's the main bad guy, and uh, um. Obvious Superman three fake Superman three sister uh, as your 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 uh, your under your 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 mole on the inside because she pulls no punches at all that she's this mole on the inside and I kind of like that it's like yeah I'm up to some shit what, what are you gonna do about it you know nothing okay and um when she makes the reveal like yeah she is the one she just goes crazy and that's um. That's good stuff, and I, I lots lots of love for this movie. A lot has been discussed already, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that and kick it back to Ricky and ask him anything else, anything else you have to say about the film, or what does he give it one to ten? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I want to say is why are they just after her so bad? They've killed so many other people nonchalantly. <laughs> when do you gather the, the troops and make this road trip <laughs> to take out this one person? I mean, she didn't kick him in the face, and he had nightmares over it. This is something totally different. It's like you could just you could just stay in your town and kill as many as you people as you want. Why worry about this one? But anyways, I mean, I know that's storytelling. But all in all, I'm gonna say, man, I was completely shocked at this, and I remember liking it back in the day, but I didn't really watch it since. This thing. But put the Rocky movies aside. Rocky will always be my favorite stuff he's ever done. But this is right up there with Rhinestone, man. <laughs> and I love Rhinestone. I absolutely love it. And this one's right there with it, man. This could be my second tier of favorite uh, Stallone flicks. Huh? I'm going to give this thing a nine, man. And I'm shocked. I'm going to give it a nine. Cool. I myself. <laughs> Brian? I love this movie completely and totally from start to finish. Uh, this is Stallone at his most badass, 
and that includes the Rambo films. It's just his swagger, his attitude, his one-liners. I mean, he, it, Cobra is a fun character. I wish there would have been a Cobra 2 and 3 and so yeah, on. Yeah, this would have been a good one to franchise. Yes. Yeah, I um, think so. I love the bad guy and all the bad guys, the whole cult of nameless, you know, businessmen and bikers. Um, and Bridget Nielsen and just everything about this movie is just wonderful to me. So if I gave Invasion USA a nine, I'm going to give this one a ten. Does that mean I think it's a perfect movie? No, but I do absolutely completely Love it and enjoy it every time I watch it. And yeah, like Jamie said, we watch it at least once a year, and it's just it it never gets old, and I never tire of it. So for me, it's a ten. Cool, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, of um, honestly, I probably watch this more often than I watch other Stallone movies. I'd say I personally would. I've uh, I maybe watch the Rockies uh, more often. Like I, I just I love Rocky. Um, I, I just, I love Stallone. I, I really do love Stallone movies. Um, but anyway, this one is just a pure good. Like I, <laughs> I, I love it. I do. And I gotta be right there with you, Brian. I'm gonna, Yay. I'm gonna also give this a 10. This is, a, I will never say no to this. I just watched this yesterday. If someone wanted to watch it again right now, I would say, <laughs> Okay. Because and here's my thing. My thing too is, I bet if I watched it again, I'd probably give it a ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's just it's it's great. It and honestly, it's better than than you'd think it would be. Yeah, you know, you look at a movie like this, and you look at like who put it out, and you wouldn't expect much of it, but right, it's really way better than than it had than it should be. Agreed. Yeah, this movie sucks. I give it a two. No, it's just it's, it's not very good. No, it's it's up to it's it's, it's a nine. It's, it's it's action from beginning to end, and Anything I don't know. <laughs> sure, yes. No, Willis, I'm sure loves Cobra. I'm I'm sure he does. And uh, cool cars, cool Stall- Stallone about as cool as he can get in this movie. Just you know, being gruff and badass and five o'clock shadow working. Good daddies. Good. I'm sorry. Possibly, go the co- possibly the coolest shades ever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at a nine. I... <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, go ahead, girl. Mm, I was just saying they just they mirror his eye droop. Yes. <laughs> the the eye droop. Um. Yeah, nine. It's good stuff. But um. Yay. After after uh, I didn't put the last episode back for this uh, sloppy seconds segment. We'll come back and close out the show. Things have been kind of quiet for Coffin Ed Johnson and Grave Digger Jones. Except for the diplomat who moonlights. Or the nun who believes it's better to give than to receive. There's a photographer who winds up on both ends of the shooting. And a junkie who'll do anything to go to jail. You got arrested, man. I stole that wheel. But their biggest problem is a very lively corpse named Charleston Blue. He came back from the dead. And 
finest time. The situation looks great. Come back, Charleston Blue. Rated PG. I live. I die. I live again. Oh my God, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. Yo, Freddy! Where you hiding at, you bright face pussy? But this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture. Hello, folks. Welcome back to uh, Sloppy Seconds, uh, the movie sequel segment. Now, with me, uh, as usual, is Court. How are you doing, sir? I'm excellent, Gary. How are you this afternoon? Oh, fine. <laughs> it's a gloomy or, day. or evening, or whenever I'm supposed to be pretending we're recording this Ooh, segment to go in conjunction with the rest of the episode. It's all a mystery, right, man? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This particular point in time of the uh, date that we are recording. Yes. We're going to talk about um, uh, a movie that I didn't know, didn't know I have a sequel. Uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem had a sequel called um, Come Back Charleston Blue, and which is the kind of deceiving title because Charleston Blue is doesn't exist. And he's kind of a piece of shit in this movie, too. But uh, who, who, who is that guy to come back? But uh, your uh, plot synopsis is this. Of course, it's a sequel to Cotton Comes to Harlem. Another bad influence is hitting Harlem. And the great engraved yeah, digger and Cop and Ed are the two cops who will stop it. Charleston Blue was a Prohibition-era black gangster, dead four decades, when he seems to have reappeared once again, sitting slitting throats with his blue straight-edge razors. Signature blue straight-edge razors. Um, the two cops begin a complicated search for some answers. Um... I had to revisit Cotton Comes to Harlem because it's not one of those black exploitation films that a lot of folks bring up when they talk about black exploitation films. You get your, your coffee and like Three the Hard Way, stuff like that. <clears throat> but I've heard this one mentioned before, but never really, really saw it. I saw it years and years ago, but I had to revisit it. And that one is more like um, more like a commentary on like uh, how how the clergy can you know try to fuck over a community, which which is which I love. You know, that's a concept in that movie. Because, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, I live in Hammond where we have the, I think it's like the third largest Baptist church there is in, in, in all the countries. And those people are like fucking locusts. So kudos to those filmmakers for taking a, a jab at the at the clergy there. It's, it, it's good stuff. In which uh, he was going to take money from the community and, and convince them they were all going back to Africa for some reason. Because, you know, 1970s. But uh, this film... Um, the aforementioned cops are back. Uh, new dealer or new—I'm not sure what he is. He's dealing drugs. He's doing a lot of different things. He's, he's slitting throats with these razors, which are pretty awesome. Um, I'm gonna kick it to court first and ask him what he thought of the movie. It's actually kind of interesting as a sequel. It's almost like Alien versus Aliens because this one you already have your characters established and they kind of go a little more into action oriented like gunshot shootout set pieces and stuff like that because i remember cotton comes to harlem was a lot more about like intrigue and one-upmanship and them trying to sort of figure out who's ripping off who and basically how to get back what they can for the community 
And I mean, at one point in time, like just some average scavenger hobo runs off with the actual money and then they make a deal with like the mafia guys to pay back the community and take it off and trade from the church or whatever that was trying to rip people off, if I remember correct. And you don't really get any of that in this. It's more or less the community is just being brought into an uproar and they're using this idea of like a ghost almost that's supposed to be coming back and I guess Charleston Blue, from what they said, was more like a vigilante than a gangster. The way that they made it sound was like he was going out and finding heroin dealers and killing them. And his calling card was leaving the razor behind after slitting their throat with it. And so, like, this movie starts with that, right? Like, where where they have a lot of people that were involved in, like, the heroin trade showing up dead. But it more or less is the guy, you know, spoiler alert, everybody, but it turns out that it's like the guy who's supposed to be spearheading and cleaning up the community is actually just trying to leverage his heroin business as the only one so that he can get all the money, which is very similar to what we had with the plot with the priest ripping people off with the idea of raising money to get a bunch of folks back to Africa. In this case, the guy who's supposed to be cleaning the community of drugs is just looking to be the only supplier. You know, it's kind of similar in that way. So that's why I say it's like alien versus aliens, you know, where it's a little bit more like sped up and, more action set pieces with it, but like a very similar plot line and story. <laughs> hey, alien versus aliens versus Nino Brown, you know. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like you've already have uh, Gravedigger and Coffinette established in Cotton Comes to Harlem. So when we get started with this film, we don't need to learn anything about them. We can just kind of like hit the ground running and just go. And so you get a little bit more stuff with their characters, and you get a little bit of more fun for development with them. Um, I think my favorite stuff is when they screw up hardcore with that shootout in the cemetery and they know it and then they get busted down and then they try to find a way to keep working the case without actually like making it look like that's what they're doing. Oh, the, my favorite thing in the movie is, and I, I like a lot of things about this movie, don't get me wrong, but the part where they have to, they have to give all their guns to the captain and the captain knows them so well, he knows where they're hiding other guns. So yeah. He gets into the, the cough move. And he has, to, he has to turn around and pull the one out of his crotch. I, I love it so much, you know. Yeah, the that sequence was really great. And then when they're busted down to being, like, beat cops and all they're allowed to do is help people cross the street and they're not even allowed to shoot weapons on the street, that stuff was fun, too. And, like, when the little girl asked them to help her across the street and it turns out she's part of this new heroin trade and stuff. I mean, that was all good stuff, and that was actually pretty entertaining. I mean... The movie moves very quickly. I didn't really feel that runtime at all. Like it's an hour and 40 minutes and it felt like I was only watching like a 65 to 70 minute movie max. I mean, it really goes and moves quick. Yeah, I agree. It does. It is. It is more. I don't know how you explain this. There's not a lot. There's not as much politics in this one as there is in the first one. So you're, you're, it's required to move faster. And, and I, 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 I like I, I don't I don't say I like it better, but I think I like it about equal. And which you know you get the 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 sort of serious one, which is as serious as you could take because there's there's some there's some language in these movies that that's you know aforementioned in black exploitation films where if you watch it now it's like yeah as a white person they feel uncomfortable kind of watching this you know <laughs> but um not 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 like bad but you know it's like um I can't use that language as a white person let's put it that way it's just they would look at well, me nor, yeah nor should you really yeah, I mean you know. I know. There's certain there's certain words that I've accepted are just not for me to be able to use, and I'm not comfortable using them anyway, nor should I be comfortable using them. So 
I'm fine with that. Uh, there is a few things that I had issues with, like the one main bad guys, henchman guy who was, I don't know if he was supposed to be transgender or, you know, like a, like a she, or if it was a, he who just was into cross dressing and that was part of his kink. Cause he spent most of the movie dressed as a nun. Yeah. But it, like, but uh, like he wasn't, it was really un, unclear and they just kept using really kind of hateful terms for him. And I wasn't happy with that. I was thinking of you the whole time. I was like, don't assume that nun's gender. You know, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know and I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not the best at keeping up with how to use the proper pronouns for folks and everything. And I've just, I mean, like I just try, you know, I try my best to, to offer everybody as much respect as I possibly can. Cause they're, you know, a fellow human being and just watching it this time, watching the movie this, you know, this time around and with the, those eyes, it just kind of was something that didn't sit well with me. But I also have to remember that it was widely more accepted at this time. While I may not feel that that's right. It's just the choices that these filmmakers made. And I just had to deal with it. It's like something the Hawk told me when, when that person decided to go transgender that, as long as I don't do it out of hate, it's okay. I just made a mistake, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to screw up. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't always be 100% the perfect ally. But what you can do is admit when you screwed up and apologize and make sure that you mean no harm. I mean, that's the hardest or the easiest part of it to do is to just really do your best to not mean any harm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but this, this one kind of tosses out the police 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 procedural uh aspects of that first one which yeah i, I like but kind of made this one more of a funky black exploitation movie than the first one and i yeah. i, I, I kind of appreciate that because sometimes you just want to have fun with a movie and this one had a lot of like colorful characters like like uh joe aka fake charleston blue who <laughs> is dressed to the nines I, I love i love his wardrobe in this movie it just seems, oh, that coat's amazing. Oh, the coat's amazing. I, I want that coat as a fat man. I probably like, <laughs> look, look like look like White Barry White, you know. But uh, it's it's uh, <laughs> I love that coat. And I love I love his look. He, he just looks like a guy that's uh got all the answers. And you know, I I I hate to say it, I look I look up to this man, but you know what? I like his, <laughs> I like his style. I do. And um, I love the idea. This has been done in other movies where. where the bad guy in this movie comes back to assume the role as the other guy, and it's kind of like a distinguished gentleman thing. Hey, it's the name you know. It's a uh, yeah, it's um <laughs> Jeff Johnson, the name you know. Yes, and um, I love the fact that you know they're not really behind him, but they fear him at the same time, thinking that that's the guy, and that maybe somehow he came back from the dead, but not really, because um, it's 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 really strange. There's a kid in this movie that that helps out our our, our heroes quite a bit, and he's real fun. I, usually, I don't like like add a kids, but this kid's not like a cutesy kid. He's kind of like a smart kid who like knows the streets, and I've always liked kids like that in movies. Um, damn, there's there's lots of cool stuff in this movie, and I don't want to give it all away. If you've seen Cotton Comes to Harlem, and you want to watch this movie, but it, I, I I think it's a recommend, and uh. I'd say check it out because both both movies you get great, you get great um, you get the great Harlem scenery. You, know, you, get, you get great great New York set pieces within Harlem. If you've, 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 I've never been to Harlem, but I've seen I've seen films I've used Harlem before, and it's a lot of the same cityscapes and a lot of the nasty '70s New York streets when it was still nasty and nasty. And and um, I love I love the end of this movie too. 
which of course they foil old old Joe slash Charleston Blue. Of course, of course, is that kind of movie. <laughs> it's it's a. Uh, gets done in real good, because that, that's, that's the way this movie's supposed to end, and uh, he gets done in properly with the, with one of his signatures, and um, one thing I'll, I'll give this one is, like you said, that, that Gravedigger and, um, what's the guy's name? Um, Coffin Ed. Yeah, Coffin Ed. They're already established in the first movie, so you don't gotta, like, know what's inside their psyche. They're just more having fun in this movie, and I, I could appreciate that, to whereas the one's more serious, and this one's a little bit more cartoony, but not to the point of saying let's make it slapsticky. But there are slapsticky points in the movie, which is a, <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world is the, them replacing the smack with fireworks. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, I gotta say. And um, yeah, great, great car chases, um, uncomfortable blackface in this movie. Oof. <laughs> yeah. A scary German guy shows up in both of these movies. The actor, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's like uh, the main uh, crime lord boss guy for the Italians in both of them, isn't he? Yeah, he shows up in both of them as the same character, and yeah. At some point in time, I got to rewatch this because Cropsy shows up in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I know we don't see his his face in the burning, but it's, I think it's hilarious that he um plays like a he plays a tough and in, in quite a few movies. I was reading about he's in the Gumball Rally and. He's in a, um, a bunch of stuff that's not the burning, and I just think that it's great that Cropsy shows up in this exploitation movie, and that makes me happy. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> that's good for my soul, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, the last word that I have to say about this is that um, just from us talking about it now and just kind of thinking it over again after watching it a few days ago, this really feels like the kind of template that they would use for the buddy cop films that you would see like a lethal weapon. You could totally see this being the misadventures of like a Riggs and Murtal, particularly with the kind of shootouts that the Gravedigger and Coffin Ed got involved with, particularly the one in the graveyard. It really feels like what you would see in later um, lethal weapon type flicks. So it's, it's pretty far ahead of its time, really. Yeah. And um, yeah, the actors, um, I didn't mention their names, but uh, Godfrey Cambridge and Raymond St. Jacques, I'm giving that Eddie Murphy joke. <laughs> Godfrey Cambridge uh, died early, but he was in stuff like uh, stuff that you're probably going to cover your show or, or um, possibly Darren covers on his show. Watermelon Man would be an interesting choice because that movie is so 1970s it would not play today. Oh, yeah. The Projection Booth did an amazing episode about that flick. Oh, yeah. Can't recommend those guys enough. Uh, yeah. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about you, Mike White. See? Uh, yeah, lots of political stuff he did. And um, Raymond St. Jack was in... Hey, he shows up and they live as a street preacher. I knew he looked fucking familiar, man. You know? Yeah, wasn't he the blind street preacher guy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was thinking that, but I wasn't sure enough to actually state it. Yeah, he, he should, and he's been in other stuff, too. It, you know, long, long career. He lived a little bit longer, but uh, I'm going to leave that one at that. And um, what would you rate it, 1 to 10, Court? Uh, I would give this an 8.75. This is a solid sequel. This is how you do sequels right. And I would say that you probably don't even need to see Cotton Comes to Harlem to be able to enjoy uh, Come Back Charleston Blue. I think you could just hit the ground running with this flick and just enjoy it as is. So that's always a good sign for a solid sequel. Yeah, and I, I agree on that. Much like another one we're going to talk about when behind the scenes we're recording three of these today so uh, you <laughs> oh no, get, you're ruining the illusion oh the illusion is just ripped but uh yeah this one is another sequel like, like court mentioned I, I agree with that rating 
uh, 8.75 because it's, it's a lot of fun. It moves very, very well, like Court said. It's paced incredibly well for a movie that you think should be like, like 80, 85 minutes, but it's an hour and 40 minutes. But it moves incredibly well. And um, like you said, you, you don't got to watch... I, I, would, I would recommend watching the first one, but you don't necessarily have to jump right into the first one if it's not readily available to you. This is available on YouTube, and you will find uh, the link, hopefully, if I remember, in the show notes to watch this on YouTube. But um, very very enjoyable. The characters are, are having fun with each other. Real uh, cat and mouse stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> something, something happens to our heroes, but you know what? They're going to come back in the end. I, I love that that trope of these movies. Uh, it's 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 just fun. 8.75, and that's the end of this one. And as Eric would say, we'll see you all again in part two. Uh, Ricky and, and Brian, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's, it's always appreciated to have good like minds that to join us, and n- not discounting our other co-hosts, but it's always good to have excellent replacements for those people in times of need. So uh, thanks, guys. Well, thank you. This was a, this was a great excuse to visit these movies again. I... I really enjoyed my time with them and my time with you all. Cool. Same here, man. It's, this has been a blast, and I, I can't think of a better group to get together and talk about movie love. Movie love! <laughs> Is that like... Oh, shoot. What was that? From... I don't know. Oh, crap. <laughs> this song yep, from... Like... This song from... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, oh puberty, puberty love. love. Yes. <laughs> puberty love. Um, <laughs> and Ricky, coincidentally, movies from the 80s. There you go. That's With the, old, the, the, the three of us. So there you go. Yeah, of course. And thank you, Jamie, for uh, for coming on and uh, c- coming back for, for our show, at least for us. And uh, yeah. you're welcome anytime. Uh, <laughs> Jamie does this thing sometimes. She she knows I worry about her too. Where she'll go on radio silence for some reason. Like uh, I'll text her one day, and like hear anything for like a week. I try to text her again. And I hear nothing. I think she's like dead in a ditch somewhere. You know, like a uh, calm when you get there. You know, girl. Come on now. I know. I'm sorry. I and the thing is, um, don't feel bad. It's not just. It's not a you thing. It is oh, a. It's just a me too. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get uh, wrapped up in just, you know, daily bullshit, and I don't, I just don't even... Did we mention that liking it is two months late? Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) I, um, it is not two months late. It's only a month late. A month? Baby, December's almost over. Shut up! Okay. So, see, this is what I deal with. Mm -hmm. But, um, (laughs) but, um... Yeah, don't don't take it personally, anyone. It's, oh, I don't. And I don't. sometimes, honestly, sometimes I'll think I have responded to something, and then I will go back and I'm like, oh shit, I never responded. <laughs> and just, that happens all the time. I just don't know how women work. Sometimes, like, is she mad at me or something? No, I I'm never ever, too, you know? never ever, never will that be the answer. That is not the answer. The is answer is always on Facebook. The answer is always, I'm poor at this. That's what <laughs> I am poor at corresponding. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I, I love my. I probably not other shows that uh, my mother passed away, so I have to do that. That show that it, it's going to be a little rougher than I thought, but you know, whatever. My mom was a big Robert Duvall fan, and this may happen. The next show may happen two shows from now. I'm not sure when, but 
And in her, her honor, I'm going to do two Duvall joints that she enjoyed, That uh, one of which I remember, I, I know that I enjoy, but I'm not so sure about the other one, but very, very little boys I've seen it uh, be Tender Mercies she loved a lot, and uh, that'll be one of them, and uh, the very awesome Western Open Range, which I know okay. I love, so yeah. that's going to be a thing, so eventually it'll happen. I've been teasing that Wicker Man episode, we were supposed to do that at least two at least a month and a half ago. And that's still happening too, and uh, so uh, all the stuff's in the works, and um, yeah, it's all a matter of ex ex executing the the shows, and um, and uh, Iris had a tragedy, of course, so it, um, she's uh, spending time with family, and rightfully so, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that, and uh, Brian and Jamie as a collective, you you, you want to pimp your stuff? You guys are mostly on the same stuff together. Um, yeah, well, except uh, he won't have anything to do with Married with Children. And for good reason. He hates the show. <laughs> not, the, not the podcast. He hates the actual TV show. <laughs> so, um, But I do Married with Children, the, the podcast, and that drops every Wednesday. And then together we do the ABCs of Hidden Horror along with Dave Z, and the X episode should be coming out soon for that. Very soon. And then... Um, uh, we also do Liking It, which I actually have the episode. I just have to, put, and it's all edited. I just have to put it together. You see how well there. that's been going for you. Shut up. There's been a lot going on. It's Christmas. So um, there's that. And then uh, we have some colossal collections that are need to come out. Mm -hmm. um, but that, <laughs> so that's it. I got a lot of stuff in the chamber. I just have to pull the trigger. <laughs> It don't work that, that way. I, I knew somebody was going to say that. I was waiting for that. <laughs> uh, secret of, of the Jamie Jammin's uh, editing style. She doesn't want anybody to help her, so this is uh, probably why they're sitting, festering for a little bit, you know. I tried to get Brian to learn how to do it, and he won't do it. Because I know you're so anal retentive about it. it I, asked, I asked Brian, is, is she behind? Does she want some help with something? It's like, no, she's so anal about it. She, she wants to do it herself. And I said, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. nothing would be good enough unless she did it. That is not true. You that make me sound like true. a shrew. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, just, you're a perfectionist, baby. That's a good spin on things. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just, uh, man. But you know what's funny, and Dave even pointed this out, is that I'll go through this like dry spell where nothing comes out, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam, 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 bam. I'll just get in this zone and all these shows just cut start coming out and that's it's true it happens it's I, I don't know i wish i was better at at spacing things out but that's just life i guess i don't know that's why you and that's why you and i are friends because we're just the same about that <laughs> yes we'll see yeah yeah it's exactly ricky's like i'm retired <laughs> Three months later i've got 14 shows <laughs> two weeks later i'm retired <laughs> You're like the Michael Jordan of podcasting. <laughs> I'm tired again. <laughs> Ricky Morgan, what about you, sir? Well, contrary to belief, I'm, I'm only down to three shows. <laughs> hey, so, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's and it's manageable because one of them we haven't really done anything. How, uh, Helming, you know, uh, that's that's my heart and soul. That's where it all started. Uh, we haven't 
we haven't done anything in a while. And, and uh, so I don't know where we are. We're kind of on hiatus for now. We've got some ideas we're kicking around, but nothing's really happened. So, and the problem there is we're just, the other two guys are just as busy as I am. So getting that together, it's kind of like uh, the other projects that me and Brian and Jamie have tried to do and me and Jamie and some other people have tried to do. <laughs> it's, it's just hard to get it all together and make it work. And, and uh, one of so coming days. in, one of these days, pow, right in the kiss off. Um, <laughs> but uh, what is going on is Hell Ming is still alive and breathing, um, just not very functioning just yet. It's on its own resuscitation. Um, we've got uh, House of Wax, which has kind of been rechristened, reborn, um, with uh, two guys of various. Uh, well, one guy with a very southern draw, uh, your host. It sounds like a chipmunk, and then. Uh, you got the incredible Johnny Krug on there with us. So we kind of get a, a well-balanced show there, just covering the horror stuff. Um, and that's kind of open to anything. We're doing old, new, just whichever. Who's and, the one with uh, the Southern drawl? His name's Levi Garrett. <laughs> How more Southern can you get, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's his name. And uh, That's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's, into, he's into the extreme horror movies. And of course, you know me. I, I I like the old weird Italian stuff, and then Johnny is just the encyclopedia. So uh, we are having an absolute blast on that show right now. And uh, we just dropped the episode for Inside today. So that was our Christmas movie we covered was Inside. <laughs> wow! I what a love movie. Inside. Oh, it's incredible. And uh, so, and we're having a ton of host or guests coming on i'm sorry we got a ton of hosts already but we've got a ton of guests coming on matter of fact brian i think i've hit you up for one jamie of course you're you're going to be on there and gary we talked today about trying to get you on there as well so we're trying to backfill and get as many people on there as possible and just have a blast and the other show that's sticking out there is short bus cinema which is me and johnny krug searching for the worst movie ever made a whole bunch of fun we're going to do the incredible get out uh, of the way <laughs> Get out of the way. That is one of my I just have to say this. It is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Wow. Thank you. I ab- I absolutely love that show. It's and so because fun. of you, I have watched some really shitty movies. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> have you watched Dragon Fury yet? <laughs> no. It's on YouTube. Oh yay! That's the one we just covered, and we're doing uh, we're, we're covering Jack O this weekend. Oh so, my God! Oh, yeah. Brian just Brian just laid yeah. his back in defeat. I love Jack O. I watch that movie every Halloween. I hate that movie. I love it so much. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, same thing there, guys. Open invitation. Bring your worst movies. And if you're wondering out there, folks, you can find all these on Legion podcasts. Like you can all the other shows except for what Brian and Jamie is doing. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this show and the two Venom commentaries, we just, we just released the Gremlins one. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, both on LegionPodcast.com. Um, Twitter at GW. Uh, Instagram, I guess if you want to go play on there. I'm uh, BeefyBeard88, I think it is. I'm not sure. It's weird. But, um, yeah. Please and Flicks is happening sometime in the spring. Um, waiting on a couple things. I'm sure if I post it, I, I got Wilford Brimley back, and uh, it's a nice picture from the thing, so people will probably enjoy that, and that, that I'm sure enjoy the movie. That's that's it's a terrible fucking film, I know, guys. It's terrible. You know, but... Uh, it's... <laughs> no, I'm playing. 
I lie because I'm punchy because I'm tired. See, but uh, yeah, springtime sometime. I'll, I'll announce the date for that um, when that's gonna come. I lost stuff for it, and I'm probably gonna have a couple more things for it. That you guys might like the bid on, perhaps. You know, um, yeah, it's all happening on, on, on the Facebook event page, and uh, that's about it for this one. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, happy holidays, happy and safe holidays, of course. And uh, remember at the City Beef Podcast, if you got beef, we've got the grinder. Bye-bye now. Oh, Santa I've been waiting on you That's funny, kid, because I've been coming for you. over kid because I because I got a bullet in my gun a bullet in your what wanted i love all you kids you know that hell i remember when you were just 10 years old playing out there in the desert just waiting for a sip of that sweet mojave rain Sun is good.